This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME. Michael Jackson invades the Simpsons, the best comic adaptation you've never heard of, and Brad Pitt is a baller with money. This week on 302010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010. Hello. Uh, the Laser Time Network's chronological pop culture time machine. Is that how we say it? I We're out of sorts today, recording at a later time. Sarah's on a bad mic. Say hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be a great show because there's a ton of fun things to talk about. 30, 20, and 10 years ago. That's how the show operates. Staring at a single week across three decades. Thank you for being here after the 9-11 show. <laughs> um, uh, that was a tough one, and I didn't hear any complaints or like, you guys handled that poorly. I, I should have disclosed my father was one of the hijackers. That is, that is ethical uh, miscalculation on my part. But other than that, thanks for joining us for that. I think the weirdest episode we'll do ever, where yeah. a national tragedy highlights everything. And as you'll see, we'll permeate the things in the weeks to come, even in light areas of pop culture. It's like going to still be weird for a little while, I feel like. Uh, oh, yeah. Even like all the way probably through the holidays, it'll be like, feels kind of normal. Then something weird will like pop up again. I already talked with the Video Game Apocalypse boys the video game industry was hit in many different weird ways, given that 20 years ago that was a much bigger topic of controversy. Just fucking mm. the genre, the medium of video games. Um, and there's there was a ton of things that impacted beyond your clear channel radio stuff. But this week is September 17th to the 23rd. Two of the decades barely deal at all with 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not without their controversy either. Something I desperately want to talk about but hate talking about is coming right up in your 1991 segment. So, but September 17th to the 23rd in 1991, 2001, and 2011. We're going to time travel across three decades and tell you what was happening in a single week. And once again, I always tell you, it always I can always like remember where I was, what hat I was wearing through releases, not specific dates. When things When stuff comes out as a nerd, that's how I organize my my memories and mm. this will probably do that for you too especially in 2001 <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh back into the real show 1991 where we always begin uh, i don't think we've introduced ourselves oh we haven't i'm one of your hosts chris antista this is true well sarah's introduced herself i guess sort of yeah who, who else has left i was gonna say also appearing for the first time without my mustache it's mm. me sarah and i'm diana goodman and i don't like this because it's the third week in a row where i had something clever to say and now i have to say r.i.p norm mcdonald yeah yeah, that's yeah. that. That's a now real. Now it's three times. It's a bit, and I hate it. Okay, that's a real tough we need one. Dolly Parton in an undisclosed location. Mm -hmm. We need Stevie Wonder. Eyes on Stevie Wonder. Bill Murray, put him in a bunker. Uh, we yeah. can't take more of this. I believe. Jimmy Carter, let's just shoot him into space. Laser Time's <laughs> going to resurface the tribute to Norm Macdonald we did when he was alive, but is like something you would do with someone when they're they're not. But is with everyone sharing. Their favorite Norm Macdonald bits and quotes. It's a really, it's a, it's a show I'm really proud of with the Talking Simpsons guys. That's just laughing at Norm Macdonald doing his weird thing on mostly talk shows and stand up, just kind of ruining and being a force of chaos wherever he went. A legend before he was gone. 
Norm Macdonald. Uh, I, I haven't been able to share my, one of my favorite Norm Macdonald bits. Can I do that here, just totally out of context? Oh, uh, sure. Okay, Diana, do you, yeah. do, you want, do you want to be do you be Conan or David Letterman? I forget who he's talking to. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I've been getting into this BDSM stuff, you know, hitting, oh, punching. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not good at it, though. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. Well, what, what's your problem with I it? chose a bad safe word. What? Boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I really like that joke. I think it's a very good joke. And it works <laughs> and it works in like family dinners too. <laughs> anyway, RIP Norm, he's one of my favorite people and I tried to work him into this episode. Um, so we'll talk about him briefly a little later. I also want to thank our executive producer, Christopher Ottoman, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. But we got to talk about the movies. 1991, uh, September 17th to the 23rd. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, is number one. It worked. It worked. And because those, those movies had been making less money for a little while now. But uh, it wasn't the sequel world we lived in. Uh, we live in now where they give every successive movie more money. They would usually be given less money, less time. And Freddy's Dead was kind of the exception. 3D gimmick worked. Like I said in the previous episode, I find it bizarre. This is a movie for children, and I don't know how so many of my child friends went got in to see it, but they did. Uh, and I believe I did too. We also have other movies, almost all of which this segment I have never heard of. Yeah, it is a weird one where pretty much like the whole show we have like one attempt at like a big blockbuster but yeah. even that is sort of shaky at best like it's just sort of weird indie movies across the board well, I think some of them are like really good even 10 years ago i think we're looking at the hollywood has blown its wad on the summer and this is yeah. that period in between the fall and this is where really good sleeper stuff comes out so don't get me wrong well and that's okay because tv is crazy right now that's so, right yeah. yeah yeah in a different world Pre-Netflix, this is when all the good TV... This is all, all any TV started, especially in the first segment. But 1991 movies. First, we have look, this cast. This <laughs> I could not find this film. Viggo Mortensen, David Morse, Valerina Golino, Patricia Arquette, and Charles Brunson. This is... I thought he was dead at this point, but he was just out of... Like, released from his canon film's purgatory. And this is, like, the first movie he'd had in theaters for a while. Sorry, my buddy. Yeah. I have some buddies who are super into Charles Bronson, and we were. It's not a bad story. Stuck at the beach and forced like to rely on their cable and just watch two Chuck Bronson movies, and I was in heaven. Just if if you <laughs> wanted to see what Quentin Tarantino ate every day as a child, watch a Chuck Bron Bronson movie. Uh, but and I'm like, wow, where did this cast come from? Who would put Charles Bronson in a movie like this? Is this a Sean Penn? This is Sean Penn movie, right? This is Sean Penn's directorial debut, yeah. The Indian Runner, yeah. which the story behind it is bizarre. It is vaguely based on a Bruce Springsteen song, yeah. uh, but also points out he was on the Vigo Mortensen train literally 10 years before everyone else was. Yeah. 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 To put David Morris and Vigo Mortensen star as brothers who are on different sides of the law and uh, Charles Bronson and Sandy Dennis in like her last part are their parents and yeah, it's, I mean, it's a Sean Penn movie. When Sean Penn, I don't know if Sean Penn's made a bad movie. I don't think but so. But they're often incredibly painful to watch because yeah. they are actor showcases of actors suffering. A lot of kids being murdered. <laughs> the I mean, characters are suffering. Like their kid died or they're trying to find a child killer or, you know, or they it, it, are rejecting society and are doomed to die. Uh, uh, what's it? The, yeah. I got to hear from Sean Penn's children. Why, why does that dude only make movies 
about dead kids. He, mm. <laughs> he does that pretty exclusively. I, I don't, man. Yeah, I watched a little of this. You can find it. It's a very slow, at yeah. least a slow start because I did not make it all the way through. It's very self-serious. But yeah, I mean, Vigo Mortensen is a force. I mean, That's he's so weird. great in this. He's so good. David Morse also, I think, doesn't get enough flowers yeah. honestly i he's, mm-hmm. he's good in everything and then we have valeria galino who we just saw in hot shots wow. <laughs> what a what a turn wow and what do we have patricia arquette in prayer of the roller boys hell yeah prayer of the roller boys <laughs> you know 91 was wild oh my um oh my word next up this a uh, movie i i tried to watch a long time ago because Oh my God! This title, Michael Ironside, Maria Conchita Alonso, which are some of my three favorite words to say together, uh, and and Christopher Walken, um, the movie McBain. Right. I've which got is... another appointment in bed. <laughs> After the Simpsons have already started with McBain mm-hmm. as being their thing, and like they threaten lawsuits and stuff, the easiest place I found to watch this was on Rift Tracks. Yeah. Which that's the only way I'm watching this. Yeah, and uh, I, I I believe uh, they had to start referring to the McBain character as Rainier Wolfcastle, who plays a character named McBain. Right. Because there was some dust up. The Simpsons was in the right and eventually used the Mc... But I couldn't find a lot of information on this. Like, the, it, it wasn't sourced very well. Also out this week, uh, the th- McBain is the, the most prominent movie out this week, and it is this completely forgotten... Chris- this movie didn't even surface for Simpsons fans until, like, 15, 20 years ago. But it, yeah. it has nothing it's to do one, with this. I would, I would see it on the video store shelf and laugh and then just keep walking. McBain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eileen Atkins, Brain. Christopher Eccleston, and Tom Courtney. Uh, let them have it? Let him have it. Let him have it. Yeah, this is an interesting indie British movie. Oh. It's, I think, the first screenplay by Purvis and Wade, who are the guys who write all of the James Bonds now, except for like the most recent one, which is eight hours long and I still want to see it so fucking bad. Um, <laughs> But it's based on a, a true story in the 50s of this guy who was like a low-level gangster dude and his brother who was developmentally disabled, played by Christopher Eccleston. They go to burglarize a place and they have a gun and a cop stops them and he's got he's pointing the gun at the cop and the brother says, let him have it. And it's, does they mean let him have the gun and surrender or let him have it as in shoot him? Wow. Yeah. And then it's just sort of all based like like a yeah, bugs but, bunny cartoon i said let me have it yeah <laughs> but that it's like a whole trial and everything about like what does this guy understand and what was he thinking at the time and what was everyone's intentions and yeah it's uh it's pretty interesting that is interesting yeah i, I like that it. is legally yep. interesting <laughs> yes i i mean it really depends on your tone that's why i said yeah, it like you that. say let him have it versus I like let him let have, have it. it all right doc and then uh, uh Movie I, I couldn't also couldn't find, but might be one of the most well-reviewed movies. Uh, the next two movies are by far, I think, the best-reviewed movies for 1991 and possibly 2001, both directed by women, and I really want people to see both of them. Yeah, uh, we got yeah. Lily Taylor in River Phoenix and Dogfight. Do, it, is, uh, it is not an Iron Eagle Top Gun ripoff. Don't go look in there for that. No, yeah. a dogfight is where... River Phoenix and his buddies are about to ship off. I think they're in the Navy or the Marines. They're, they're about to ship out. It's 1963, and they have a dogfight, which is they all put money in a pool, and then they go out and try to find the ugliest girls to bring to a party, and whoever's mm. got the ugliest date wins. 
I, that's a dog fight. I feel like I've been the girl in the situation, but I've <laughs> never been able to be sure of it. Uh, well, one one of the main girls is uh, E.G. Daly, the, who does so many cartoon voices. Yes, Tommy Pickles. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, dude. And she's, she she's very teeth. attractive. <laughs> yeah, they give her like real fucked up teeth. But what's weird is my brain kept telling me that this was Ethan Hawke in this movie for a long time. Mm. And I realized because a lot of it is kind of like before sunrise, but it's the 60s. Oh. Because they spend, you know, I mean, first, like, he, he asked Lily Taylor out, and she's not unattractive. She's just very plain. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she finds out that she he took her because he thought she was ugly. And then, like, they spend the rest of the time, like, getting to know each other, and he apologizes. And, you know, it ends up being like a... a they just sort of spend time together and get to know each other. And it's, it's actually really interesting. I feel like if they've run out of things to talk about that he has to mention, I only asked you out because I thought you were the ugliest woman I've ever seen. This relationship is doomed to fail. Maybe <laughs> That's well, something I he... Think he lives in an amazing world full of supermodels then. Because uh, <laughs> Taylor is yeah, normal looking. She's, yes. She looks sort of plain, a little dowdy. But it's not like it's not like she's... I think she you looks know, exotic, and yeah. um, uh, but uh, no, yeah, I, no, it's it's a really nice little tiny movie that yeah, I feel like it, it deserves a lot more love. It's one of those where it's a lot like a lot of movies we're going to be talking about. It's like mm. you've never heard of it, you watch it, and then you start going, "I want to tell all my friends. Why haven't I heard of this?" Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the next movie with Lucas Haas, yes. Robert Duvall, Diane Ladd, and Laura Dern, Rambling Rose. Now we have a trailer for it. The critics love Rambling Rose, the kind of lovable, honest, and unpredictable American movie you never get anymore. Oh, at least. If Robert Duvall isn't already considered the best actor on the planet, this performance should put things in perspective. Stop behaving as if you're a Bo Peep. Diane Ladd and Laura Dern are likely to grab the first mother-daughter Oscar nominations. On-screen razzmatazz is palpable, says Gene yep. Shalley. And they did. They did. <laughs> they are mother-daughter nominated. They don't play mother-daughter in it, which is a little bit weird, but they don't mm-hmm. look a huge amount of like. But I had no idea. Per- 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Suck, wow. Suck it, we Toy Story 2. <laughs> we do not get that very often. I love this movie. Really? Yeah. It's often uncomfortable. Uh, because it's about the 20s in the South, so already uh, Robert Duvall, Diane Ladd have <laughs> their kid Lucas Haas is like 13, and they take in Laura Dern, who's a bit saucy and promiscuous. Oh, no. She, she, but she understands her effect on men, but she just can't help herself. Mm, heaven for fend. And she's like, she's just such an interesting character because... Like, Harlot, I, did, I had to say it. I'm sorry. That's just what yeah, I, that was my read. Because that's what she's not like. She, she, she's like. But I'm just a human, and I have urges and needs. Oh, see, oh, but <laughs> like she understands her effects on people, but she also doesn't. And mm. so, like everyone is trying to get with her, but also like doesn't want to. And she's sort of initiating Lucas Haas into sexuality, and she's also uh, jumping on Robert Duvall. <laughs> She's jumping on everybody, but she's like, but it's just how I feel. Why is sex bad? Come on, damn it. It's the wow. South. I should be able to fuck this whole family if I want Come to. Come on. It's hard to wear clothes. It's so hot. <laughs> hey, that's fair. Yeah. But then, like, what I like is that Diane Ladd is the mom is sort of like, you'd think that she would just be like, yes, get this hussy out of house. But, like, there's, there's a, obviously there's friction, but there's also, like, a level of sympathy there. The, it's like, it's, it's not just one note of, like, 
look at this she-devil attracting all these men. She's bad for doing that. It's like way more complicated. I really like Ramblin' Rose. Man, I am sorry I missed this one. This will have to go on the list. I think you would like this one. It sounds and right up my alley. I can't imagine anyone except Laura Dern doing it. She is so, she is just so fucking hot. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. But yeah, she owns it in a way that's not like cartoonish. Mm. Like, oh yeah, I get it. Look, lady likes fucking. What, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Why is everyone acting weird? Everyone does it. Sure. Or should. Hell yeah. Yeah, Ooh. Ramblin' Rose. Ramblin' Rose. And then up next we have uh, Peter Gallagher, Marcia Gay, Harden, and Peter Berg, and Brian Wimmer in uh, Late for Dinner, which I refuse to let anybody call me that. 29 years I've been frozen with Frank. What if you woke one morning? Hey, these aren't my clothes. And everything had changed. 1991. You're looking for something in particular? My life. The world you knew. That lady has a phone in her dress. The life you led. Oh. Hi. Oh, this is so, this is weird. The people you loved. I could be your mother. You're my wife. Late for dinner. Better late than never. Rated PG. Terms of Endearment soundtrack? Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds schmaltzy AF. (laughs) This is weird, man. Like our. our It's a really, really low stakes Captain America. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. These last two, they're the highest grossing new movies of the week, but they were not very grossy at all. Um, Never heard of either of them. Yeah. Late for Dinner is about like two guys. It starts out with, it's like there's a a guy like gets fired and his boss is like trying to buy the land out from under him. And like there's a fake kidnapping plot. Like, or a lot of it takes place in the sisters. There's a fake kidnapping plot and, and everything goes wrong. And they accidentally, him and his buddy accidentally get frozen. Or it's like, <laughs> that is a very strange turn for this movie that seems like a Coen Brothers-esque, like I accidentally kidnapped your son. Oh wait, I'm going to pretend it's for real kind of thing it turns into like a, a if a futurama buddy comedy wasn't funny yeah <laughs> right but then then in the future now they've woken up in 1991 and um what <laughs> no. yeah the reviews are all like no like it's fine it's heartfelt it's schmaltzy whatever but like this is such a weird idea i don't I don't get it. Like, what are you trying to do here? Right. And the, uh, okay. Equally baffling, but uh, looks looks like the most 1991 movie on the list. Uh, oh, by far. Blanche Baker, Elisa Arundel Anderson, and Terrence Carson in Livin' Large. No G in there. Dig it. Dexter Jackson wanted to be on TV. How's he ever going to be an anchor man? Then he got his shot. I'm Charles Hempstead, coming to you live. Now we have no anchor. We're all missing. The sniper did, but we will. Stay with the homeboy. Now he's going from streetwise to high-rise. You the man. No, you the man. Living large, a comedy about making it. Can you believe that? Rated R. Living large, everyone. Never heard of this. No, I I remember I remember you the man no you the man. I think that might be the first place I heard that. Really? There's an ads for this. Yeah. This one is like there's a lot more satire than I was expecting. Because mm-hmm. it's about, yeah, this guy who's just always wanted to be like, I, I bet I could read the news on TV. And he goes to this hostage situation where the anchor gets shot, so he grabs the mic and starts, you know, talking, but in his streetwise sort of way and then the station starts exploiting him being like oh yeah you can be our gimmicky anchor that's great and uh you know we'll give you this time slot here and 
will uh like stage a wedding with you and this white co-anchor to like piss people off and like every time he sees himself on screen he looks whiter and whiter wow like oh got a sorry to bother you vibe i was just about to say it feels like sorry to bother you a little Mm -hmm. like yeah it's like okay i mean overall it was pretty much just like a silly comedy about like you know homeboys be like this but white people be like this but (laughs) be like that sometimes we do be like that we we do we're so lame also women be shopping it's true yeah but that, like, there was some real, like, insightful little politics. The idea of, like, oh, we want this guy to be, you know, real, but not too real. He should be black, but not too black. It's like, oh, yeah, we still see that shit every freaking day. Wow. Not what I was expecting from what something I thought was going to be, like, I don't know, like, kid and play become anchors kind of movie. <laughs> it, it made me want to look up more about the director, Michael Schultz, who is still alive, but born in the 30s. The weirdest career in the world. Yeah, and I'm looking at, like, Disorderly's Crush Groove. Ooh, The Last Dragon. That makes sense. He directed the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club movie. Yes. And what the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit. How did he get that job? Especially after, like, Cooley High and Car Wash. Oh, I've seen most of these movies, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Not this one. Um, and, I, yeah, I'd I, I never heard of it before. But please, people, that's what the comment sections are for. I missed out on it, but died. Oh, <laughs> God, he directed Carbon Copy? Yeah. Oh, no. It's like the first Denzel Washington movie. Yeah. Is it's that like, what he's George Siegel's son? A, yeah, surprise, you have a black son. That's hilarious. Like, yes. Oh, no. You have a few, you have, and he's a future Oscar winner. Enjoy your time together. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, but, man, there's so much to talk about in 1991. It, it, and that extends into television. Law & Order Season 2 premieres. Now with more uh, with more Pauly. Yeah. Pauly Sorvino. Yeah, Paul Sorvino joins the cast as one of the caps. Mm-hmm. Pauly didn't do the first season for anybody. But he. I sadly know very little about Law and Order. I, I love Law and Order. The pieces are largely interchangeable, but eh, whatever. I love Paul Sorvino. Yeah, it's, it's he, he didn't last long though. He gets shot. <laughs> but he's like not dead either. No. Nope. Paul Sorvino's very much. It just feels like every time I watch Goodfellas, like he's got. Did I miss his death? Surely I did. Paul Sorvino is still very much with us. It's good to know. Knock on wood, man. Good to know. Next one is kind of more famous for somebody dying. Um, Yeah, The Royal Family debut starring Della Reese and Red Fox. And I remember this is the first time I'd heard of Red Fox. Aw, you didn't watch Sanford and Son reruns? No, I was 10. Ah, you're too young. I I was 10, but but I think the bizarre thing was I was in a class with a black teacher and the school I was in was like half white, half black. And it was just like, all of a sudden that day in that class became a red Fox remembrance day. And myself and a couple other white kids are like, what the fuck are they talking about? But I do remember it like a bunch of people doing impressions of having heart attacks, (laughs) a bunch of like kids. And like, it's a very positive memory. And it made me remember and go look who, who red Fox was, but this is his comeback, supposed comeback, um, created by Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. With the ironic original name of Chess Pains, I believe. Yep. Um, yeah, and they were in Harlem Nights together, him and Dolores. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun. But it did not last long because, yes, Red Fox, um, a month from now, October 1991, he has a heart attack on set. And, and dies. It's very sad because besides that, he was hysterically funny. Oh, my God, his stand-up, it, it gets so dirty and so offensive. But, yeah. God, it's funny. But that's his big bit. From Sanford Son was, you know, when there was he would got upset about something, he'd start clutching his chest and being like, This is it, it's the big one. 
I'm coming, Elizabeth. I'm coming. Yeah. Reach out and, to his wife. That's it, yeah. it wasn't the kids in my classroom making fun of Red Fox for having a heart attack. They were doing the most famous impression of Red Fox. It is yeah. tragic, tragic irony that he died of a heart. It's and it's I think people make a lot of it because mm. he's like a 78 year old dude who enjoyed enjoyed his time <laughs> as a celebrity and he died of a heart attack at 78. That's not unfounded. And it right. but it but it also wasn't on stage. I think people had reported like it was in the middle of a show and no one believed he was sick and like it was rehearsal and I think people say it may have been like a second where we thought he was kidding. Like the the guy I, fell to the ground and oh <laughs> yeah, it it looked like it hurt. So it it's it's a wonderful urban legend, uh, but I just wanted to shit on it a little bit because hey, we we're not gonna have a nine eleven show every week. I want to make people feel bad. I've discovered how much I like it in podcast form. Ha ha! It's not just for Twitter. I can do it here too. <laughs> um, yeah, but the royal family debuts. It goes a few episodes. I think they attempt to keep the show going. The death I of the star of the show, so. but but yeah, the episodes only- never. A lot. It has a lot of unaired episodes. Yeah. Well, they brought in Jack Hay, I think, to have someone hey. extra. But yeah, it went and it was doing really well in the ratings, but it only went 15 episodes mm. in the end. They're like, mm, no. I mean, it's a star vehicle, and you just lost your star, dude. And I, I, I again, I like, I love the show's format so much because that's kind of the um, end of a television generation, and The Simpsons is the dawn of a new one, and this is the third season, and this is just. The Simpsons is already already great, and this is just begins a period of excellence that lasts, I would argue, four or five straight years. Although it is an episode I respect the Simpsons creators' wishes and don't like talking about anymore. Stark mm-hmm. Raving Dad, the episode that starred Michael Jackson under a pseudonym, was it John J. Smith, I believe? Some kind of contract dispute. Uh, Michael Jackson was a big Simpsons fan, especially of Bart, couldn't stop talking about him. Wrote "Do the Bartman." Ghost wrote that. Uh, blah blah blah. You guys have heard of that. And, and we did a laser time a long time ago when the Finding Neverland documentary came out, where I became just disgusted with Michael Jackson's legacy and understood what the Simpsons writers were saying when they pulled this. This episode is now pulled from syndication. You can't watch it on Disney Plus. You can't. I don't know. I, I forget how that works. A lot of movies that are taken away from streaming, you can still buy. You can still buy The Simpsons hmm. on DVD, and this episode will be in there. It, it just won't air on television or show up where people might casually see it. Yeah, the idea is you can't happen upon something that would be triggering or upsetting. But I think this is like, if I'm remembering their rationale for wanting this pulled, which I liked, and it was just that they felt, following the Finding Neverland documentary, which is the most disturbing thing I've watched in the last decade, uh, made me feel bad about my reaction to many things in my entire life. Go listen to that laser time, because it... People got mad at me at the time for saying I agreed with the decision to pull this. Knowing what we know about Michael Jackson now, this was part of his rehab campaign. And oh. if you want to think about it deeper, Michael Jackson was very popular in the late 80s. And the people he was courting didn't know who he was, but they knew The Simpsons. And I imagine this episode got shown to a lot of kids as proof. No, I'm a cool guy. I pro- it all makes me tremendously uncomfortable. Mm. And I, I, I'm totally behind the Simpsons writer's decision to pull it. This was part, they, somebody had said they thought it was, we ended up being part of his propaganda. And Ooh. that, that makes us mm. all incredibly Ooh. uncomfortable. That and, really hits home. Like why I think they would feel so strongly then that mm-hmm. it should be pulled because yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not really blackface. Feels- it's not, it's nothing like that. It's like, no, we were part of something like more disgusting. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with them. So instead of grabbing a clip from that, 
I grabbed a reference to it from an episode 20 years later when uh, Lisa needs help writing a song. See, what rhymes with Jebediah? Tire fire. How about Patty and Selma? Fatty and Smellia. Mr. Teeny. Sister Weenie. You've got a gift. Well, don't be so surprised. I did write that Lisa, it's your birthday song. Yeah, with that mental patient who thought he was Michael Jackson. Whoa, thinking back, I'm kind of surprised Mom and Dad let a crazy man spend all night in my bedroom. Simpler time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an even more difficult plot to describe nowadays, regardless of what you know about the backstory. But that episode is out, and if you have your DVDs, maybe hold on to them. He might yep. have the last and, key to the... And the the plot of the episode is that, yeah, he's a white mental patient who thinks he's Michael Jackson? Yes. And right. goes to stay, it, it's, and goes to stay with the Simpsons after meeting Homer when he's institutionalized for wearing a pink shirt to work. Oh, <laughs> I also heard... Pretty funny. Yeah, I just heard an interview where they were talking about this, and I heard that Michael Jackson did all the speaking parts, but actually did not sing the singing parts. No, it's a man named Kip... Um, shit, I forget his last name. But they did a um, performance at the Hollywood Bowl, where Conan O'Brien came out and sang the uh, monorail song that he wrote. And he sang this with uh, with uh, Yardley Smith on stage. And uh, yeah, he was a great Michael Jackson impersonator. I think most of the time you hear my... What is his name? Kip uh, Lennon. Kip Lennon, that's the one. Yeah, he was like the official Michael Jackson yes. sound-alike of Michael Jackson. He sounds really good. And is wow. Somehow white, but not as white as Michael. Man, what am I fucking... Jay Leno, why did I make that joke? Okay. <laughs> you hear me, people? Uh, and also <laughs> on television, I didn't watch... Brooklyn Bridge debuts with Marion Ross and Jenny Lewis. Uh, this was such a cute show, but it was not long for this world. It had a, they were going for sort of like an urban Wonder Years kind of mm. vibe. And that's about like this Jewish family. You mean like the new Wonder Years? <laughs> yeah, like I know the, there's going to be a new Wonder Years. Mm-hmm. I can't, I just saw an ad for it. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, sure. I, I don't I don't want to be cynical about it, but I think I was reading it's the Wonder Years, but the family's black. There's no narration. It's set in modern times. I'm like, then call it something else. Then call it something yeah, else. Just like, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> Where's come on. You, you need the narration at least. Yeah, the, the black thing thing is the least significant part of that. No narration and no nostalgia. What's the fucking point of this? But I could be wrong. They might have be doing something completely different. So they were it was like a New York Jewish family that lived in a brownstone and you know, but it was like shot on film, single camera, and it's about like the oh, the silly things that happen where like, oh, you're supposed to, you know, do stuff for the high holidays with it, but they but you really want to listen to the Brooklyn Dodgers on the radio. And oh. so your friend keeps coming in. And giving bombs you a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a very cute show. Made it two seasons. Critically acclaimed, but nobody watched it. A show I watched for way too long. And I can only credit that to the stunning beauty of Suzanne Summers. Like an inarguably terrible show. But if you were a kid, it was Friday night. You had Your parents were cheap with the blockbuster. You had oh, nothing yeah. but TGIF. It's all TGIFs, man. Yeah, man. Wait, we did one of our first Laser Time episodes. Like, there's a little bit of darkness in this song. Could you pay the cost of the future the mm. second time? But it's all in a nice little amusement park. I think that amusement park was just torn down. Mm. But step by step, a nothing. Who gives a shit? Fuck you sitcom that made people rich for seven or eight or nine years. These Miller boy yets, goddammit. It was a Brady Bunch retool, basically. Yep. Reboot, what, however you want to call it, basically. A blended family situation. Mm. And I, so this is now my heyday of TGIF. 
your step-by-steps your uh we've got boy meets world coming up but yeah like that family matters like all of this this is my tgif now and step-by-step i was very into it me too i don't i don't i can't because even when it got syndicated i'd still watch it like every day and i can't fathom for the life i would pay top dollar for that time back yeah i feel like (laughs) Part of it was that, A, again, at that point in my life, my obsession with older kids. Like, what are older kids up to? Because these were all mainly, like, high schoolers, I want to say, and old and, like, young adults were the children. Especially when you get to that kickboxer guy who comes in eventually and becomes the star of the show. I totally forgot his name. The the nephew. Cody, dude. Yeah. 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 And then also I seem to recall like Suzanne Summer and Patrick Duffy having very good chemistry. That might have been it too. Constantly implying they're going to fuck each other with their eyes. Yes. Because like part of it too is that apparently they met on like a whirlwind vacation and got married and then came home. They were like, surprise, children, we're married. Here's siblings. But then it won't. Don't do that. It is hopeful. (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah. Don't ever do that. Never. I think at one point, though, I want to say two of the step siblings get together. Yeah. I mean, it's been happening since the Brady Bunch. And now it's like Pornhub's biggest category. So maybe they were onto something. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought it was tailored to just me, but Sarah just worked it out for us. Okay. <laughs> That's where it came from. I think, I, I, I'm glad you seven said. Seven seasons. Seven seasons. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. But no. Seven seasons. Seven seasons of inconsequential, non-memorable, flavorless television. It's just astonishing what, what stayed on the air back then. It's just, yeah. I dare someone to comment that this is your favorite show of like <laughs> just TGIF and, and then make a compassionate speech. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a prize if I believe you. I, I, I just don't believe it. And it's just odd for this to have existed for so long. It's so, it was so bland. It was so like, when I think of that show, I just think of AstroTurf. <laughs> like it, everything was so fake, like the outside, the kitchen, like it was, oof. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the age of the children because uh, I remember seeking out the next show because the children were a little younger, closer to my age. Oh, okay. So I've been wanting to talk about this next show for so long because it is one of those like blip in television history right. shows, but feels very culty, I feel like, but in a way that like, not where it got discovered later, but that the pe- while it was on, people who were into it were really into it, and nobody else in the world had ever heard of it. Let's see if people can get it from the intro, because I had a rough time finding the show, period. Oh, okay. So, yeah. The Disney Channel is going to the country. As sweet as a peach in the summertime. To meet an average American family. Hello? Simple folk. Yay, yay! With simple needs. Who are you going out with right now? I'm currently available. Good, good. <laughs> well, I'm like totally offended. They're part of our new Monday night lineup. The doctor who makes house calls? It's a small backward town. The Torkelsons, every Monday night at 6.30 p.m. East. I remember this because like, I, I just, maybe I describe this phenomenon too frequently on the show, where you see a promo for something like, I want to watch that, but you don't have a calendar. And you miss and you miss it. And then like when I was a kid to when I was an adult, like what the fuck was the name of this show? But because it was produced by Disney and they didn't own ABC yet, uh, NBC canceled it. And Disney's like, well, fuck you. We'll put it on our own channel. And they did. And while it wasn't a huge hit there either, they played the shit out of it. 
played uh, it so much and it got retooled also then it was called almost home almost home so basically oh. it's we're talking about the Torkelsons, a, a show that i absolutely loved growing up i found it to be so charming so comforting it's basically a single mom played by connie ray and her coterie of adorable pre precocious children and she's just trying to get by very working class brings in a boarder who as i recall is like kind of a snooty guy like maybe a fraser kind of yeah, lives in sure. their basement yeah that lives in their basement <laughs> like you know helps the children learn life lessons i guess but yeah i absolutely love the show so much it had its own like little urkel character who like lived next door and was very nerdy and was always trying to date like the main character um the the young woman and it was so sweet and so charming and so small town and i absolutely loved connie ray um you she's a way she's definitely a hey it's that lady that like pops up in a lot of movies and tv shows and she's just like so sweet so just very small town I've seen it. I saw it so much growing up that I, when I looked into it, I was shocked that it was only two seasons. Yeah, me too. That's, well, that's, yeah. I was, this was like a very long running show. We never, how much I watched it. We never had the Disney channel, but they'd run promos for it in every free preview and then play it like eight times. I had episodes on tape and I just mm -hmm. remember it's one of those rare shows where I, I'd seen it so much, but I didn't have access to it. When I tried Googling it, all I had to go on was like, man, the little kid had giant glasses. Yes, and I, and, yes, I, and exactly. in the early days of the internet, I, I couldn't, like, no one knew what I was talking about, and I couldn't yep. find any results. Exactly. And it took me so long to figure out what this show was as a young person, because I I just I remember having feelings of it, that it was, like, a very nice mom with curly hair, and then the nerdy kid with glasses, and it's, like, small town, and they're very, very, very southern, too, which I really, <laughs> I loved all the accents. But that's all I could remember for the longest time until finally somehow I just stumbled upon it. But yeah, I feel like the people who watched, who know what the Torkelsons is, like every time I brought it up, they're like, I love that show so much. And then like the 99% of the world has no idea what it is. <laughs> I I have no idea what it is at all. But so weird. I, I have to I, I give their casting director credit because I'm looking through just like the cast. And mostly, not the main cast, but people that they brought in. Like, season two, they brought in Allison Hannigan and Brittany Murphy, back wow. when they were little wee ones. Drew Carey made his uh, sitcom debut on on here. Oh, wow. Ben Affleck and Jared Leto both had one wow. episode guest spots as a basketball player and football player, respectively. Joey Lawrence showed up. Patty Duke Whoa. showed up because William Shallert was on it. That's a nice little reunion for old people. Yeah. God damn. I, just, I had to talk about the Torkelsons because it was such a mystery for me for so long as to what it was. And I think it has a little bit of a cult fan club. Huh. And then, uh, and then the biggest thing maybe in television throughout the next couple of years will debut. Yeah. Uh, it is Which time for... Similar. Wait, was, was the Torkelsons... In front of a live studio audience, or no? Well, allegedly, but come on. I mean, yes, I, but the multi style, multi camera, yes, multi camera on a set versus you know. Oh, well, that's okay. that's what I also wanted to say. Like, uh, I don't remember the exact trajectory of this, but I was a huge fan of the Disney Channel and couldn't have it, so I would I would get tapes and record free previews the entire day and watch those all the time. Yeah, I don't remember them having a traditional multi camera sitcom before this, whereas where they live now. They are all multi-camera traditional family sitcoms yeah, like this. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, they couldn't afford to make a show like this for the most part previously. Yeah. It was it was it was premium cable. It was uh, I think fewer than a million subscribers probably at that point. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah, that probably was the first one. Mm -hmm. Yes. Once again, children, you had to pay for the Disney Channel long, long ago. It was just as much as your HBOs. Disney Plus is half the price of Disney Channel in 1991. Not adjusted for inflation. Not adjusted for inflation? Yes. Oh, my God. How much was it? It was like 15 bucks. It was, Ah! yeah, it was like 15 bucks a month for the Disney Channel. Oh, my God. 20 years ago. I think they stopped doing it 20 years ago. But, yeah. That, that is insane. So, so we, here we go moving into, because it's interesting that we're just talking about the TGIF block and how that's like developed and it's just become such an institution for so many people. But now I think we've had the success of Roseanne for a bit and we're getting more and more of the family sitcom with a stand-up guy who's got a little bit of a gimmick. Ah, and that brings us to uh, one, of the, one of the biggest sitcoms of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, oh, 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 oh. Uh, yeah. And I feel bad because I remember Tim Allen as a stand-up before this, and I loved his stand-up. I I don't like... <laughs> I, I totally related to it. Just, yeah, the whole... I don't the, like... The gimmick, the, sh- the idea of like, yes, I have hammer. I don't... Now I am powerful, man. I'm saying as a very cool and sophisticated guy who cross-checks his nostalgia all the time. I don't like Tim Allen, and I don't like Home Improvement. The appeal of the show today is undeniable. He is a fantastic comic actor. Mm-hmm. He is a great... His persona wedged in better yeah. into this role and this character than I think any time they ever did that, including Roseanne, which I consider a far superior show, and morally loathe her even more. But... Uh, <laughs> but Tim, hey, hey, you know what this has the, that also helps Roseanne is the strong supporting cast. Hell yeah. Patricia Richardson yes. deserves respect. God damn it. She is so good at what she does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tim. That's what she does mostly. Yeah. Tim. Tim. Yeah. She somehow gets two syllables out of his names all, all the time. A home yeah, improvement. Also, originally named Hammer love- Time. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love that like, she actually looks like my friend's mom's. Oh, yeah. Instead of like most sitcom wives who are like ridiculously hot. Yeah, yeah, we hadn't had another you look like my friend's mom mom until we got to Patty Heaton. Also yeah. another famous Hollywood conservative. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, Home Improvement was real big in my house for me. I loved it so much. I didn't like grab the intro or anything like that because we did just cover the finale. I just did it. Uh-huh. I just yeah. did it. You're welcome. You That's all we need. Uh, but yeah, oh, the next oh. was 99, so it had such a long run. Oh my god! And I, I, I believe, I think Tim Allen is still one of the highest paid people in television history. This yeah. show, yeah. in its even in his latter seasons, when he's like, "I'm just going to quit," and like, "We will pay you more than Jerry Seinfeld, twice as much as Jerry Seinfeld was making per episode of Seinfeld," which he did. And I'm looking at a list of salaries now, and adjusted for inflation, he's still he's. Almost around what Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon got paid to be on that dumb Apple show no one's watching. And <laughs> per, per episode. Is it good? I don't know. Good. I really I, like it, actually. Once again, boycotting Apple TV because they took the Charlie Brown specials away from the people. You can hmm. you can eat a dick, Apple. Unless you like that, then don't do it. And, and <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I don't think I'm sure I talked about it when we talked about the finale of Home Improvement, but it cannot be oh. understated what a phenomenon JTT was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right, dog. <laughs> JTT ushered a lot of young people, male and female, into. <laughs> I did. I did find a diary at Sarah's house with the uh, Sarah Taylor Thomas written in a lot of different fonts. 
You lie. And I tell you this because I do actually have a scrapbook somewhere that has like pictures of JTT cut out and like, but I have this like, I have this very distinct memory of my best friend, Katie in fifth grade, love JTT. And we were making scrapbooks together and she was like, uh, JTT. And I, for whatever reason, didn't, I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to feel weird. So I also pretended I love JTT, but I was never a JTT lover. Here's your Tegan only for me. Is that the, is that the jock looking kid? The goth one. The one from camp nowhere. who was like really hot. I'm gonna He's need more now help. like the leader of a cult, so like let's just do uh, that. I mean, all, all oh. these kids, everyone grew up to be proud boys in that family. Even Pamela Anderson. I mean, would it surprise you? Look who, look who she's dating. <laughs> really I into mean, Kid Rock and yeah. uh, Julian Assange. That's true. Um, <laughs> don't mean to taint home improvement because like every time I want to hate it and I watch a little bit of it, I'm like this is still transfixing. And the cast, Tim Allen's really good at this. Also, too, mm. just really top of the top for uh halloween episodes yeah yeah always had really good halloween episodes like honestly the whole abc family sitcom legacy of halloween episodes is it's up there it might be the best like legacy as far as like as a group that some of the best televisions Mm. best episodes of halloween taking halloween seriously i i I know you're talking about that's true. Roseanne always did that. And when the Connors came back, I was happy to see they kept doing that. That yeah. was like a serious Halloween episode with really funny costumes. Yeah. Nap- I mean, Napoleon I- blown apart. I, I'm so mad. I can't. Like, I don't have joke. the wherewithal to make that. That's an amazing costume. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like ABC family sitcoms really nailed the horror comedy of it all. I mean, Family Matters did it. Home Improvement did it. Uh, Boy Meets World did it really well. Of course, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. So, yeah, I always remember the Home Improvements had a great uh, Halloween episode. And then, I mean, also that whole gimmick of the neighbor was so fun, too. Yeah. That's a good Halloween costume, too. I've seen that one. That is Where people make a little... They, they put on a fishing hat and they make a little fence out of popsicle sticks and just hold it up in front of your face. I mean, that, that's that's what he did when he would come out in specials. So he would never show his face. And I love it when they, they finally they finally revealed Wilson's face and everyone's like, I, I don't know what I expected. Like, what? what? Why? Yeah, why? <laughs> um, it's like that episode of Justice League where Lex Luthor takes over Flash's body and he pulls his mask off. I'll know who he is. Uh, I have no idea who this guy is. And then TV movie, CBS Sunday movie, Us, starring Michael Landon, written and directed by Jordan Peele. No, not that no, one. No, actually written and directed by Michael Landon. Also ah. starring Michael Landon. Also produced by Michael Landon. Also, Michael Landon is dead. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's posthumous. He died in July. Yeah. Oh. So this is supposed to be a pilot, actually, but because of his death, it came out as a uh, television movie i was just i thought a really interesting po- posthumous yeah. you know tribute to him that they still put it out and he apparently the story was he played a man who was released from prison after being wrongly convicted of killing a wealthy man's wife and that mm. is all the information i have about it but hmm. well tell me you have more 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 information on dolly parton gary Busey, and willie nelson's wild texas wind the the nbc okay. monday night movie I, <laughs> Another one. Thank you for sending this tip in. I, you know, a lot of people like as much as I complain about people saying like, "Are you going to talk about you know Beauty and the Beast?" And like, yes, of course we are. It's coming up. <laughs> we've gotten some really good tips. You guys going to talk about Star Wars? Like, <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on, last week we had Lick Mick and I'm ours, which mm-hmm. was it brought joy to all the children. Finally, finally, mm-hmm. Mozart. 
and Jack White and Insane Clown Posse are together. And this time, yes, we got a tip off. I really appreciate it. The TV movie, Wild Texas Win, starring, produced, and co-written by Dolly Parton. What the hell? Directed by the lady who wrote Nashville? What? Joan Tewksbury? And yes, finally, Dolly Parton and Gary Busey are together. Where she plays the D means delightful. The O means oh my, it's Dolly Parton. The L. Yeah, he's her surprise, surprise, uh, violent and abusive manager. No, does he wear? Does he wear a ten gallon hat? I hope so. Oh goodness. Yes, Uh, and yes, and Willie Nelson as himself. (laughs) Willie Nelson better be in protective custody too right now. Oh my god, I can't take that. Him and Bob Dylan—they're on my list every year, and they always survive. No, no, don't say that. They've served their purpose. I mean, I feel like Willie is like, he is so high all the time that just like, you know, he can be hit by a car and he'll just bounce off and he'll be fine. fine. (laughs) Video games of 1991 during this period. Guess what, man? Tetris has been knocked, knocked off, unseated, usurped for the best selling game of the month. But it's by the U.S.'s new most popular game, Super Mario World. Don't worry. They're both Nintendo games, the same company making all the money and spreading it to no one. Perfect. But we'll talk way more about that release on patreon.com slash laser time with the video game apocalypse boys. Music of 1991. This week is huge. Next week is even huger somehow That's for crazy. 1991, especially. Fox Base Alpha, the debut of Saint, uh, Saint Etienne. 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 Uh, Laughing Stock, the final album by Talk Talk. Act Like You Know by MC Light. Don't Try This At Home by Billy Bragg. Emotions by Mariah Carey, uh, No More Tears by Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Pretty on the Inside, the debut of Hole, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 by Guns N' Roses, and Primal Screams, Screamadelica, uh, which is on Rolling Stone's uh, Best 500 Albums list. Right. Um, so Mariah Carey's all over this episode, but wow. this is her follow-up to show like, oh no, that wasn't a fluke. I can keep doing this. Yeah. I can keep putting out jams. I can do it for 30 more years. Like. She's amazing. She yeah. can she can hit octaves that only my nostrils can when it's caked with snot in Arizona. It's I, <laughs> it's the only way yeah. I can reach Pretty those notes. Specific, mm-hmm. right? I mean, no more tears. Big comeback for Ozzy Osbourne, where he's like he's he does a really good job threading the needle between hair metal and real metal. That was pretty. Like, that was pretty insane because I'd never heard of Ozzy and I wasn't listening to music, and that song was fucking everywhere. Yeah, and that that song and Mama, I'm coming home. Were I both I thought it was kids. about. I was so young. I thought it was about my shampoo. That's not a hack joke. That's literally <laughs> what I thought. Never heard that phrase before. And then yeah, Use Your Illusion one and two mm-hmm. to have Guns N' Roses, one of the biggest groups of all time right now, coming out with two albums that. Have really awesome stuff. You know, they got You Would Be Mine in, on there. They got the cover Live and Let Die on there. They got November Rain, where they're going batshit crazy. With uh, an 18-minute yeah. video. Holy shit. That video is one of the best videos of all time. Oh, my God. I love it so much. Yeah, you got to watch also, it again on the big screen. Yeah, but it, they also have, like, Get in the Ring, which is them saying they want to go fight people. <laughs> and everyone's saying bad things about Guns and Roses. And, we, yeah, we could kick ooh. your ass. Like this is it. This is their jump the shark moment, honestly. Uh, this is kind it's of it all downhill them. from here. Yeah, I don't think they, they didn't make another original album for uh, an album of original music for another two decades. Yeah, and then the debut of Hole. So the Riot Girls is starting. We're lacing up right. our boots. Right. We're and putting on our chokers. Another and our baby another doll dresses. With MC Light and Hole, you're seeing like another era coming in to push the last previous era aside. But uh, still room left and for that last yes. era. Um, with I Adore Me Amore by Color Me Bad it's number one this week we will exit you out of 1991 with that but stay right there 2001 is going to get silly as hell dream on dream away 
Folks, you might have heard us talk about Manscaped and the importance of male grooming before. Well, now that summer is upon us and the clothes are starting to come off, it's more important than ever to give yourself a little boost of confidence and look your personal best by taking care of some of that stray body hair. Some of it down there. Since it's so hot, you might even want to trim things a bit shorter than usual. And when you do, take it from two guys who have learned the hard way, more than we care to admit, you want to be sure you're doing so safely, especially when trimming the hair down there. And that is where Manscaped can help. It may be a scorcher out there, but it's time to bundle up in here. With Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, aka the GOAT of ball trimmers. GOAT! Weed Whacker ear and nose trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold on to your goodies. Their fourth generation Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunctional on off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower or in the wild, and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball fro, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Not those delicate holes, you sickos. Your ear and nose holes. Uh, Once you're done grooming, you seal the deal with Manscaped's delightfully scented liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Then, after trimming the lawn and whacking your weeds, give your beach balls a boost with Crop Reviver. There are few things as refreshing as a little spritz from the Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level and get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and the weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. I want to run through the halls in high school. I want to scream at the top of my lungs. Coming in in 2001 with John Mayer, really um, helping a nation heal after um, last week, which, uh, yeah, I'm not going to mention again. Off of the, uh, this is John Mayer's debut? Oh, yeah. This is a huge album. And look, is John Mayer a douchebag? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just read uh, Jessica Simpson's uh, autobiography. He's not a nice person. But is he very talented? Also, yes. Yeah. His body of work is a wonderland. Okay. That's not... (laughs) That's wrong, okay? Like, embarrassing. Uh, But in high school, it did a lot for me. But... (laughs) This whole album is super, super good. I mean, almost every song is fantastic. Lyrically, I love it. And I mean, I think for people who know like music, music, everyone can pretty much agree that he is a very, very good guitar player. This is what I've heard from people who know 
about guitar players. I'm, I'm way more of yeah. a fan of his comedy. He did try that for a little while. It's worth mentioning. It's, oh, God. Yeah. I think I... I'm not mis- didn't he say the N-word on stage? But it's just like, nah, it's at the cellar. It wasn't in L.A. It's fine. It's, oh, fuck. Okay, I don't like that. I don't, I, I, don't... Do not yeah. trust me on that. How about this? My compliment to John Mayer. He's one of the only... He's the only celebrity I have a GIF... I have a series of move, moving GIF stickers on my phone of. We used to send them to one Why? another, Sarah. Because not oh. nobody else did when this 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 trend came out and subsided <laughs> into the fucking earth, and no one thought about it again. All I'm uh, saying is this album is super is is really good, and it will definitely transport you to a time. And it's also just really good pop music. And I'm very interested in his new album, Sob Rock, that just came out recently. Apparently, it's like supposed to be a little bit of a throwback. It's Don Henley esque. Yeah, yeah, which Ooh. you guys that's right up my alley after. Kenny Loggins' discussion of last week. What was it? No, do, do, I have, doing the bistro I bop? A, a, mm. I, I have a discussion prompt for people. Oh. Which is better, John Mayer's music or the music that John Mayer has inspired by being a douchebag? Ooh. Oh, damn. Mm. Ooh, very good. Mm. Also, a great user time episode. Our favorite music that was inspired by douchebags. Okay. <laughs> Does sound fun, uh, but man, big week September seventeenth through the twenty third for music. Still, whew, not really a great. I, th- I think who was it? Jonah Ray. I saw he he was working in Virgin Records last week, and he's like, it wasn't just that uh, you know Jimmy Eat World's Bleed American came out. Like Slayer released their album God Hates Us All, and yeah. there were T shirts with the date nine eleven oh one God Hates Us All released as in promotion oh, no. with that. Like how much are those wow. worth now? And could you even wear them today? Uh, mm. uh, and then uh, also new releases out next week. Let it come down by uh, Spiritualized, Strange Little Girls by Tori Amos, uh Dragon Town by Alice Cooper, V by Live, The Golden Hum by Remy Zero, uh The Id by Macy Gray, Labor Days by Aesop Rock, and the Look uh, The Look of Love by Diana Kroll. Soul Jacker by Eels, Miranda Lambert self-titled debut, underneath by the oh, verb pipe. What? What? That's a big one. I mean, okay. Brown Lambert became a big deal, so. Mm-hmm. And Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, uh, but only online because of 9-11. It comes out for Realsies next year, but either way, it's on Rolling Stones 5. Wow, Rolling Stones 500 greatest album list. They delayed the album a year? Yeah, wow. it doesn't come out. I mean, it, it was available online, and that was it. I have no idea and why one. they held the CDs. I had no, no, very few people were releasing Albums online in 01 anyways, like in what format mm-hmm. and with any protection. So I remember this this I, this album yeah. getting crazy reviews and like bumped, bumped Wilco up a notch. Uh, they were playing oh, bigger yeah. venues after this. I'm Real by Jennifer Lopez featuring Ja Rule is number one. Eels was a band that I got into because of Souljacker. That was the first time I had heard of Eels. Um, and I absolutely love, 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 actually probably my favorite Eels song of all time is on this album, uh, Fresh Feeling. Such a fantastic Ooh. song. We'll put you in a good mood. Is the Novocaine for the Soul people? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I knew the answer. I shouldn't have waited. <laughs> so you were gatekeeping me. I wasn't. I just wanted to make sure. Why don't you girl boss me next? Then? I was. I get them confused with soul <laughs> coughing right. all the time. 918. First letters containing anthrax begin being mailed. Were these letters with actual anthrax or? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it started with the letters with actual anthrax by the oh, and and then there were tons of people just right sending stuff with baby powder and mm-hmm. then give the whole thing of like uh you should you should iron your mail because that will kill the anthrax spores or no wait no don't iron your mail because then the anthrax will get all over the house but 
bunch of letters with anthrax were mailed to both Republican Democratic senators, a couple news outlets, including the Inquirer, which, okay. Mm -hmm. But five people died and 12 people were infected. And here's the thing. We kind of don't know who did it. Hmm. Like, we kind of do. But when he was he was about to be indicted, he killed himself. This guy named Bruce Ivins. And that story is fucking nuts because he was helping investigate the anthrax mailings. But he is suspected of having been the mailer, possibly because he saw an opportunity after 9-11 of like, oh, they're going to dump a whole bunch of money into anti-terrorism stuff. And anti-anthrax medications is my specialty. Wow. So I'm going to fake this being a threat so that I can get on the money train. Whoa. It's it it seems too movie like, but like that's ugh. some super villain shit. Right. That is literally Bond villain shit right there. And only I will have the antidote. And- yes, <laughs> that's literally it. But this freaked everybody oh. out because a bunch of letters and they were getting contaminated. You know, places and they had to like close up parts of the you know administrative office buildings and clean them because like little spores just fly up in the air everywhere. Uh, yeah, it is really strange and complicated and the fbi like really fucked up they're investigating a couple different ways they targeted this one guy that turns out no wasn't him i just want to know if there's exonerated him if there's there's one moment with scotty and like did i make a huge mistake naming our band after this oh my who could have foreseen (laughs) that actually hits the news next week where they (laughs) anthrax the band renames themselves a basket full of puppies for a while (laughs) we've named ourselves clean mail (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they they make a joke saying that they're called Basketful of Puppies because Anthrax.com is the band's website and it's just getting besieged with people trying to find out what the fuck wow. is going Like, what the fuck is Anthrax? What does it do to you? Wow. Oh my God, they're coming to kill us. We all have to take Cipro. It makes ah. you want to go in the pit. I, that's not a good representation <laughs> of Anthrax. The band, but a, yeah. um, 20th in an address to a joint session of Congress and the American people, greatest president of US history, George W. Bush, declares a war on terror. And I always liked war. how... He, he somehow could remove all the vowels from that word the longer and more frequently he said it. Tur. Yeah, no yeah. no quarter for terrorists. Right. Which is super not vague or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like having a Especially oh, when it justifies a war in Iraq. Yeah. Uh, also, we, we covered a lot of ground on 9-11 mm-hmm. stuff last week, but we did not cover the lasting effects that it had on brown people. Mm. We're at the anniversary of several murders. Mm. of just random Muslims or Sikh people because yeah. Sikh right. people wear turbans and therefore, oh yeah, yeah, there was a, a guy in Miss Arizona went on a fucking rampage where he killed a, a Sikh guy at a gas station literally while he was planting flowers and then went to like sh- shoot up some other family's house. Uh, there's another one in Dallas and I actually de- did a deep dive to find out how many murders were there of just like random Muslim random, folks. Random hate crimes in the wake of 9-11. I don't even random hate crimes it. that were reported. Mm-hmm. Were, uh, it was something like three a 3,000% increase over the year before. Um, Those are just the reported ones. Murders, probably up to 20. Wow. We're not really sure. But then every every Muslim person, every brown person who looks sort of Muslims, like how, how many times were they harassed? Right. Or just had a, another classmate make fun of them or whatever it does. So many things that were not reported. Or have an idiot and, refer to them by like, hey, 9-11. Like, did you just call me 9-11? Yeah. Or, and like, then of course, the media really fucked us up, you know, in always showing these bad guys are all a bunch of Muslim people with like, you know, 
turbany looking thing. So everyone who's got a kafia on, now they're a problem. And Bush would say something about like, you know, this is not a war against Islam. Also, this is a holy crusade. I mean, like, mm-hmm. God damn it, you piece of shit. Yeah. Getting us killed, man. And just in, enraging the uh, an entire, a large group of people throughout the world who had nothing to do with this by, yeah. by calling it a crusade and then entering countries that... Hey, and never mind. You, there's smarter yeah. people you can see way, here weighing on this shit. It's, it's just very frustrating, and it really sometimes hurts to see George W. Bush validated because oh. he didn't suck as the latest Republican president. Hey, <laughs> newsflash. Every Republican president will suck more than the last. I promise you. <laughs> as they steal more elections, it'll just get worse. Can imagine Donald Trump if he was smart. Moving on to the Wow, you're right. I'm just I'm trying to see how far back does that go? Eisenhower? It might go as far as Eisenhower. Yeah. Everyone is no wait, Ford is better than Nixon, but just barely. <laughs> Hardball is still number one at the box office this the, during the week of uh September seventeenth to the twenty third. Uh, baby. Um, and there's some other movies out this week. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh No Man's Land is out this week. Uh Bronco. Sorry. Is that to pronounce Bronco? Might be. Cool. It's B-R-A-N-K-O. He should change Bronco Buster. Just that spelling. Uh, and Renee Bitorajak, um, I'll say. Uh, so this is, I'm going to say, a Bo- I forget if it's a Bosnian movie or a Croatian movie, but it won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. Wow. And I haven't seen it in 20 years, but it, it was really freaking good because it's about three different soldiers during the Bosnian War kind of getting trapped between enemy lines with each other and one of them has accidentally landed on a mine (laughs) and can't move and it is very stressful but it's also sort of like the whole thing's a metaphor for like these people used to live together now you're fighting why are our differences so great or makes us all animals yeah no man's land is it's very good (laughs) and i Okay. Yeah. I, Sharp turn. I have no idea what territory this is going to take us into. Padma Lakshmi. Padma uh, Lakshmi? Tia, yes. Tia Texada. Uh, Debrat. Terrence Howard. Max Beasley. Mariah Carey in the movie Glitter. You want to be in a group? I can sing in group. That's good, baby. Yes. Yes. I'm determined to make you famous. When fame calls, wanna make some music? Will you have what it takes? You think that's the best to me? There's more. One, two, three. On September 21st, live the dream with new music from Mariah Carey, featuring Busta Rhymes, Nate Dogg, Eric Benet, Fabulous, Cameo, and more. Glitter, rated PG-13. Cameo, holy shit! Where about? Um, and this was the ad that had the least about the soundtrack. Most of the ads were. <laughs> Soundtrack first. Oh, by the way, there's a movie. I mean, this is also, if we need to say it, this is the era where, like, dude, CDs fucking moved. And a movie could move music in a, for an entire year, whereas, like, most artists couldn't. Mm-hmm. Combining that with Mariah Carey, who is one of the biggest recording artists in the world, why wouldn't some people jump at the opportunity to make a movie with Mariah Carey? I, I, and, and I just, I'm curious about, is this that bad? And is her performance that bad? Because... It's something I wanted to recognize in, 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 in all of humanity when we shook off the tragedy of 9-11 a little bit and this movie bombed. Everyone seemed to delight in the idea of being mean again. Yeah, <laughs> and, so... And... <laughs> yeah. I did not watch this when it came out. Mm. I was distracted. But I did watch it this weekend. And we know what I love, okay? I love mm. spectacle. I love camp. I love the Musical game. numbers. I'm sorry? Musical numbers. Love musical numbers. Mm-hmm. I love all those things. This 
oh man, they did Mariah Carey so dirty with this movie. Mm-hmm. So bad. It is, uh, it's a true travesty, honestly. <laughs> yep. I don't think Mariah Carey is that bad of an actress. Like, I don't, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I can't imagine she is. Yeah, I mean, she's great and precious, right. obviously, and also the material is so poor. I mean, this is just a Star is Born, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this should have been a Star is Born, like, better. Mm-hmm. They did it really, it's like they dumbed down a Star is Born, if that's possible, and, like, made it even more just, like, simplistic and straightforward. But, yeah, it is grim honestly. so it really it, it lives up to his reputation of it's being a real fucking bummer and I, I went into it thinking like i do with a lot of things i get shit on in pop culture like this probably is not as bad as everyone right. makes a joke about mm-hmm. i.e see guy fieri see paul blart see uh um, uh, when you gave me a bunch of shit that. for buying uh mortal engines for six dollars like why would you do that and like i bet it's not <laughs> as bad as people say i'm just so positive yeah, but that's different. Mortal Engines is not like a national joke. Like right. that, it, those it was, are the things that I am like interested in. It like, was an reading. end of year joke. I'll say that. But it is not rise to the level of Paul Blart. Like it's true. It's, it's not, not a pun- it's not a punchline. It's not a go to punchline. And mm. so, like that, those are the things that I want to examine again with fresh eyes, especially because I hadn't encountered any of those things until recently. Yeah, no, this one's just as bad as everyone's. And, and this, this cannot yeah. be vindicated. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of it that is good, bad movie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty fun. Like little things like, oh, her house burns down when she's a kid, and like, oh, but she's their cat is okay. And then like 20 years later, and then she, she looks at the house and she's cat. like, that's what I'm going to do to this stage when I grow up. Burn it down. But, but then like, she still has the same cat like 20 years later. And like, <laughs> really, guys? That's um okay. Maybe I she's supposed to be weirdest- a teenager. Yeah, that's it. She's supposed to be like 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the whole rest of this movie. What I find so strange is this is directed by Vondi Curtis Hall. Uh, why? He's he's a total hey, it's that guy. Um, he is the prince in Romeo plus Juliet. Maybe that's what you remember. Yeah. All are punished. But he did do some directing. Like he directed Gridlocked, which is like, okay. Yeah, right. He directed the episode of Firefly with Christina Hendricks in it. Oh, woo. Okay. But. He doesn't seem like a musical kind of guy. And I don't know, except that he had directed a Mariah Carey video, but I think it's a tie-in video for this. So I'm not sure how he got this gig because it's bad. She doesn't even do a good job of showcasing her vocals, honestly. No. Really doesn't get any good, big, show-stopping numbers. Like, the... Hmm. Big songs from it are not as catchy as they should oh, be. Oh, oh, wait, the, the soundtrack yeah. is flooded by people who aren't Mariah Carey. Are these people in the movie? No. So, uh, that's that does seem a little strange. Yeah, it's that's one of I don't understand. Like I've seen all four versions of A Star Is Born, and the Streisand one sucks, except for the performances. The musical performances make it like worth slogging through. You can fast forward sometimes. And this one is like, I was at least hoping for that where it's like, could we at least have the musical showcase numbers? And then the plot just doesn't, who gives a shit? No, doesn't even do that, baby. No, it doesn't even give us that. It's, it's really frustrating. What a bummer this is. And Padma Lakshmi. (laughs) I loved her on NPR. Actress before she became like a food mogul. Oh, but I was thinking of Lakshmi Singh. My bad. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, let's, can you hear that? That is two dozen white people chuckling at that joke right now. It turned into a real laugh, actually. It went fake laugh to real laugh like it, um, it happened. All right. Yeah. And I just, I feel bad because everyone's dumping on Mariah Carey and it's like just at the worst time. Like we talked about in July where she had like her breakdown on TRL and she was freaking out and like she had to go to the hospital because she was like so mentally unstable and exhausted. And, and, and then it's and, like, and just, oh, good. She's shown weakness. Let's all stab her some more. Yeah, there's a, a little because it's difficult for me as like uh, someone who was not a fan of Mariah Carey. In fact, kind of annoyed by her omnipresence sometimes mm-hmm. because like that shit was everywhere for like nine years, and it there was something comforting about seeing an innocuous person making a mistake, and we could all leapfrog on her. But it's like also totally unnecessary and says something pretty terrible about mob mentality for us all. And I'm saying that as someone who is guilty, but you know, I didn't have a late night talk show in 2001. I lived with Sarah's husband. He wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah. And that, that begins, Mariah Carey is now this empire unto herself. And I think the world started craving normality and then took it out of Mariah Carey mm. um, as, as something kind of normal. But I still feel like it was overkill because it like, this yeah. was brought up every day. In the headlines, when the when the talk shows come back, glitter is in every single monologue. It's mentioned at the it's I think it's in like the Oscars or other movie award shows later in the year. Nobody lets this go the entire we year. We don't really have anything like this until we right. get to Julie, yeah. which is oh, another wow. pop star that everyone is super excited to stab. Yeah, mm. metaphorically. Yeah. With their- I hate yeah. rooting for things to fail unless uh, you that know. too. It's a terrible feeling. Right. In hindsight, like, what the fuck did everybody have? It just baffles me. What did everybody have so, so, against Mariah Carey? She hadn't, like, done anything even controversial at this point. Yes. I think she, like, showed a little cleavage. All like, she did was be incredibly beautiful and yeah. insanely talented. Yes. <laughs> That's what she's guilty of the Guy Fieri principle of following her dreams and succeeding. And yes. <laughs> Again. Let's take her down. Nickelback. Let's, let's take her down. <laughs> How dare they be popular? Oh, well, I'm, I'm like many other bands. On that note, I'm sad you can't totally vindicate the movie. And I've never really heard anybody be able to. And I've never been able to sit through it. And I've tried. I I think I own it in a Snapcase DVD. But and, and let's also remember, I'm sure there was a little bit of what are you doing releasing a movie right now? Why is there mm. why are there commercials for this? They couldn't help it. I'm, yeah. They couldn't it's help it because it was probably like a, a, already on its way. It was not a ton of things delayed yeah. themselves, but this had albums on the line, and clearly this is the week to release albums. Yeah, and and now when you if you Google gl- glitter mm-hmm. two thousand one with an image search, one of the first things that pops up is a billboard for this. In the foreground, in the background, are the World Trade Center towers both on fire? Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's that's like oh poop. <laughs> next next week we have another movie that is prominently featured in news footage it's even more incongruous wow. by the way there is nothing like <clears throat> ben stiller making a dumb face while people run screaming <laughs> uh and then and then next on the flip side of the coin a movie i guess too cool for people who hate mariah carey to notice yeah movie i loved and i i I saw it didn't make that much money, but re-got cable a few years ago. This was run pretty frequently on channels where you can curse. Because yeah, it's no. a, a cheap movie with someone immediately recognizable in it. We got Eliana Douglas, Brad Renfo, Steve Buscemi, Thora Birch, and of course Scarlett Johansson. And one of the first things I remember seeing her in. Her, it's her big breakout part, frankly. Yeah. 
Sometimes I think I might be going crazy from sexual frustration. You just hate every single guy on the face of the earth. That's not true. I just hate all these extroverted, pseudo-bohemian losers. You guys up for some reggae tonight? Do you have any other old records besides these? Seymour does. Who does? Oh, uh, him. He's the man with the records. Oh, what, are we in slow motion here? Come on, what are you, hypnotized? Have some more kids, why don't you? John Pehechan who? I'm allowed to place one student from your graduating class for a full one-year scholarship, and I took the liberty of submitting your name. This could be a really great thing for you. Would I have to take classes and stuff? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost World, baby. Ghost World. Ghost World, a movie I thoroughly recommend people track down. A thousand percent. I So I rewatched it, and I if this movie had come out ten years earlier this would have been like the most important movie to my teenage years. Mm. Um, unfortunately that ended up being Heather's She's probably less healthy than this. Probably. It's probably good. You uh, were too old to really get into welcome to the dollhouse and ghost world. Oh and... no. Welcome to the dollhouse. It, it, it's too close. It hits yeah. way too close to home. Oh, me too. Um, but ghost world. It, I mean, it also hits close to home cause it's really about, it's about outsiders, social outsiders who just hate, everything around them or just criticize everything around them but they also lack solidarity with the other outsiders Ooh, like boy. that that's a major theme uh, well okay let's let's talk about the plot thora birch and scarlett johansson are grumpy teenagers who just got out of high school and mostly they just walk around making fun of everything they see mm-hmm. they pull a prank on steve buscemi and then kind of they start to befriend him because they feel bad about it and they also bother brad renfro at his job for reasons and then Thora Birch finds out, oh, she didn't actually graduate high school. She has to finish this. She has one class she has to do. So she does summer art school with Ileana Douglas, who is so up her own butt <laughs> and self-serious about I her art. So I love her so much. And they just, yeah, they're just interested in weirdo outsider stuff, but are also kind of mean to the other weirdos and outsiders. And I feel like if I'd watched it when I was, you know, 13, 14, I, I would have just agreed with it. Like, yeah, everybody sucks and everybody's fake and stuff. And then watching it as adult, it's sort of like, no, this is something you have to get past because Steve Buscemi is kind of a loser, but he's also kind of cool in his own way. But he's also sort of a look at their future that like mm-hmm. they're not you, you got to stop hating everything and start loving things yeah, or else you're just going to get sadder and sadder. Also, there's a guy with nunchucks who hangs out at, at the market. So <laughs> I love that guy so much. That guy's amazing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, I saw this movie when it came out, kind of, it didn't do that much for me at the time. And even though I was like right there in that same, like hating everything mode as well, it felt really mean to me still hmm. even like at the time that I saw it, which was, I was 16 years old. Like this was the right time for me to see this. It still felt a little mean for me. And then when I went back and revisited it for the show, I really, I felt a lot more affection for it because I felt, I went back to that feeling of like, these teenagers like hate everything, but mostly they hate themselves. Well, yeah, it's mostly because feeling of walking around just like, uh, you know just like that feeling of like oh i'm so i don't know what to do i'm so awkward i just yeah, that's... i know i don't fit in here but i also don't fit in anywhere because my brain's on fire my body's <laughs> so weird and i'm horny and i'm also really mad all the time yeah. and i think this is also a very specific female 
experience also. Oh, I, I thoroughly disagree. Mm. I, I think they, I think they sound like Beavis and Butthead and they also have the cadence of like Sam and I of kids not wanting to seem overexcited. That Gen X idea of like, I am so deeply afraid of getting called out for something. I'm just going to call it everybody, everything else first. Uh, that, that reminds me very much of my upbringing and being this age, but like also there's plenty of experiences that are way more specific to the gender, but, mm-hmm. but, but that's what, I, that's why I connected with it. I always want to have hope just because of looking at shit like TikTok every once in a while. Like this generation seems to be pretty cool with being enthusiastic and mm. being about shit. Whereas everyone else is kind of afraid. I don't want to, and our generation is like, I don't want to seem too excited for all this stuff. Ooh. <laughs> That is the thing that I love is that like I've always I love the new sincerity like I I never really got into the like hating things for hating them sake like I just I never felt cool enough to I, I want to say I didn't either but we but you do that stuff out of fear when you see other no, people know, doing, doing things you want to do and like uh you know you know he's just doing that because his parents don't give him attention why would I say things like that when I'm 15 grab a guitar go play with them yeah I mean yeah. I mean, I I totally relate to just just hating everything yeah. around you, and you just it, and just finding it ludicrous all the time. Of just you know, and and wanting you're looking for a kind of authenticity, mm-hmm. but everything you see, you just think is fake. But you know, when, yeah. when it's like you know, they they go to a show by you know like this old blues guy that no one is paying attention to, and he's like a you know real like he's. Technically, it's ragtime, and and Steve Buscemi has this like rare seventy eight of his, and no one's paying attention to him. And then Blues Hammer shows up, who mm. are you know a bunch of white guys singing about picking cotton, and everyone's into them. It's oh like, boy. do they not know how they they think they're authentic though? Yeah. <laughs> they they think they know the blues, but obviously they don't really because have they ever picked cotton fuck no they're a bunch of 25 year old white dudes from like newport beach understand how to make blues more palatable and sell those precious chicken wings yeah and i mean to be there's we're talking about making things palatable there's an argument that there's value in that because a lot of times that does lead people into finding the real thing Mm -hmm. Um, right the thing with these girls though that i that i see that i thought was an interesting point was that a lot of times when you in pop culture when you see these kinds of like disaffected youth or like you know outsider type kind of nerds they're being like actively bullied mm-hmm. these girls are not right like oh no, no but there is with them. but there is there is one scene where where they are which i found interesting where they go to the comic book store and right. there's one guy who's uh, basically a nazi and there's another guy, they just they're all looking at her like she's a poser because she's got like a 70s punk look on and she's like this is authentic 70s punk and they're like fuck you <laughs> right it's like it's all part of the same cycle but they hate that they you like that they employ against their like peers their high school peers or whatever Mm-hmm. they're not doing anything to them it's just like let them live their lives you know but i don't know no, it's, I, it's just like it's that feeling of being a teenager where it's you're just so like imposed upon but just by someone else being a different than you in a way mm-hmm. that you don't enjoy and it's yeah. like or you could just let them live their life and then you live your life and then it'll be much happier experience yeah that's i mean that's kind of where i evolved as a person of just like well my main drive is i want you phonies to leave me alone (laughs) so how about i just do that of like 
don't let your phoniness affect me. I'm just going to do my thing. Please leave me alone. That's me, that's me now. That, that worked out. That's where I still am, damn it. <laughs> Most people, like, would agree to that. No, and no, I do. Too, though, like, they are being authentic to their experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I but, always say I, then, I spent I spent my these years of my life trying a little too hard to make myself stand out from everyone, and I've spent the last twenty years of my life finding reasons to fit in with everybody else because mm-hmm. my default is to is to al- not to alienate people, but just to like I'm uncomfortable with all this mob mentality. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. I think, though, that, like, the happiest I was, like, in my adolescence was when I stopped trying to fit in, but also did just decided to let people live their own lives and not, Mm -hmm. like, have opinions about how other people who weren't affecting me, who weren't directly making my life worse or making my loved one's lives worse. Also, just, all right, fine. I wish I had that revelation back then. I'm going to like my things. And we're just gonna be nice to each other, and that'll be fine. Yeah. That was like the happiest time. That's when, like, I hit yeah. that sweet spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I but agree. I still, I like like them. I have a fascination with people who are are also weird in their own sort of ways. Like, yeah, yeah the the guy at the convenience store <laughs> with with the really bad farmer tan and the nunchucks. I know. I always or... think that's from Juno, and whenever I see Juno, I'm like, why is this scene not here? I always <laughs> think it's from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> oh, it, it's a very Napoleon Dynamite scene. You're right. But then, well. uh, also, like the guys at the diner that they think are Satanists because they just, one of them looks kind of like Anton LaVey, and like they go outside and they both open umbrellas to not be in the sun. And it's <laughs> like, who are you? I want to know about you. What is your deal? But it it's just, it's so interesting. I mean, it also says a lot about teenage friendships because like mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson starts becoming more of a normal person through the course of things. Like she, they, she wants to get an apartment, move out of her, her parents' house. She she shops at Crate and Barrel and gets very normal-looking things. And Thora Birch is like, can't deal. She's like, that's a dumb teenage... That was our dumb dream when we were in seventh grade. And it's like, moving out of your parents' house is a dumb dream? Her parents <laughs> house, who she hates. Sweet, sweet, yeah. Rob Balaban. <laughs> and sweet girlfriend. They're just trying to live yeah. a nice dinner. Yeah, she can't. St- oh, she hates Terry Gar so much, and Terry Gar just seems like a normal, wonderful person. She can't stand her. Fucking can't stand her. So I read the comic that it's based on, which right. is pretty a pretty thin. You, you can throw through it in like half an hour, and it's a lot of the stuff that's in the movie is there, but also it doesn't really have a plot, and they really improved upon it in in adapting it. It's like they Steve Buscemi's character, you know, is added as you know a guy that like it's tough like. He's a loser, but also he isn't. But mm. he's also, you know, sort of just you do feel bad for him because these two teenage girls come in into his life first to make fun of him. And then he doesn't even realize it. And then they continue kind of making fun of him until they start to see him as a person. And Thorbridge starts to really like him. And it's just, yeah, their their relationships all over the place just become really interesting as she starts to see him more as a person even though she just ends up ruining his fucking life <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing though is that does she really like him or does she like what he symbolizes which is just something that's different and yeah. a different path for her but then when she actually is like confronted with the reality of what it would be like to actually be with someone like that she immediately rejects it which yeah. is such a teenage thing to do mm. you know she, it's the epitome of seeing a teenager get in over her head it's yeah. out there y'all to be a teenager yeah. it's hard and one thing that's always another thing that's always stuck out in, in this and i saw 
comes from the comic is how they use imperative language a lot. We have to go there. We have to mm -hmm. do this. Oh my God, we have to call that guy. Oh my God, we have to go bother that guy. Oh my God, we have to ask him for a ride. Oh my God, we have to torture him. Oh my God, we have. And like, it's everything is we have to do this. And it's like, oh, yeah, you don't. <laughs> No. Oh, that diner looks like it sucks. We don't have to go in there. We could just say, oh, wow, that place looks like it sucks and just keep moving. Yeah. You know, that waiter's got uh, big frizzy hair like Weird Al. We don't have to call him Weird Al. You just <laughs> and don't tell him that you're calling him Weird Al. You can just do it amongst yourselves quietly. You can leave mm. him alone. Yeah. You don't have to make everyone as miserable as you are. <laughs> teenagers. But also, too, I don't Or think people on the internet. Yeah. Mm. I don't think a movie like this though could be made today because a lot of this movie i think is driven by boredom mm, yeah the boredom of like being a teenager not really have anything to do necessarily mm. also it's being left alone by the adults in your life so mm -hmm. you're not traveled as much so yeah. what are you gonna do just go fuck with people i guess like yeah they never say when it takes place like i guess it's supposed to take place now but it's it felt very much like my teenage years in the early 90s yeah mm -hmm. there's no cell phones there's no real computers there's not really right. you gotta drive everywhere unless you're just schlepping slowly on foot just trying to find something to amuse yourself with and, and that's I, often I, making I, fun of something else i did want to tease it in the early in the show this is a it's a comic book ad adaptation, but I feel like a lot of people could have seen this and not known that. Mm -hmm. Marvel movies weren't in full force and people were taking inspirations from pages all over. And uh, there were a lot of... I, and I wanted to talk a little bit about Terry Zweigoff. Because oh, yeah. this is the beginning of his narrative career after his fantastic R. Crumb documentary. And he rolled this into Bad Santa and Art School Confidential, which I didn't hate and is very in tune with this and never yeah, made same, another movie again. See. He hasn't made another movie? Has not made another I think he might be working on something for Amazon. And I looked it up, and it's just like, it's not for lack of trying. It's just maybe for lack of <laughs> sticking to a style that is not necessarily very commercial. Because those three movies have the same... T if you think about Bad Santa in this movie, there's a little bit more of a redemptive arc. Uh, or more The characters are at least more likable, but there's a cynicism that uh, this director seems to delight in. It, it, poking, poking fun at uh, outsiders like himself. And, um, yeah, well, I guess that's one of the things that got added from the comic is that Steve Buscemi's character is really interested in old blues and ragtime 78s. And apparently that's there just so they could put in music that they liked. <sighs> Harry Zweigoff and Daniel Klaus. And they do a great job. The soundtrack to this is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, Art School Confidential, which them reteaming is I also pretty good. But you get little shades of that in the scenes with Ileana Douglas and the the art class, which having yeah. just finished six feet under feels like just a continuation Ooh. of a theme. <laughs> okay. Is that oh, I love her so much. Yeah. She's uh, this. Yeah. God. Damn, it's just, huh. Yeah. This is what I was talking about with movies where it's like, maybe you haven't heard of this and like, no one saw it in theaters. It came out like a month or six weeks ago. Yeah. Like cost then... $7 million and made $7 million according to the box office. But right. again, it's, and this is, it's, this is, it's going into wide release, which was still like less than a thousand theaters. And it just died because nine 11 and it's already an indie thing that like I said, it's like hard to describe. Like my elevator pitch for it is what, I, I was working in a DVD. teenage girls wander around. <laughs> I was working in a DVD store at the time, and I didn't want to say it yet again. But the trailer you played, I watched every day. It was it was marketed very heavily on DVD, and a ton. Of, I saw a ton of people buy it and find the yeah. movie. Um, yeah. And, and then it's it, again, it's run. If you have Kate, like one of those like Epics channels, there's not a lot of offensive content on it. it runs on cable 
pretty regularly and, and did for the last 20 years. So I feel like uh, I would love to hear from younger folks who maybe discovered Ghost World like in the 2010s because I'd have to imagine that would be a fascinating thing. To f- it's like how I found Heather's. I think, I think it's one of those things, though, that like it's perfectly rated. It's not overrated. Mm-hmm. It's not underrated. It's, <laughs> we rarely it's come across those movies. Where it needs to be in the sweet spot, being appreciated. I think the right people who need to see it, who would enjoy it, have seen it have seen it i've seen it the 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 sweet spot sarah just hit upon is the opposite way of how you build a youtube channel this movie's fine perfectly rated the critics were right it it deserves its fandom and i have nothing controversial to say about it (laughs) we're never gonna build our youtube channel unless you're screaming in the thumbnail don't forget there is also like plenty of interesting things that to say that I think we have said and we could continue to say probably for another hour about what it means to be a teenager, what it means to be, you know, an insider versus an outsider, blah, blah, blah. And that's also perfect for that movie. Like this mm-hmm. is this is the conversations that this movie is supposed to spur and it has. And so it's done its job. You, know? <laughs> you can retire now, Ghost World. Rest <laughs> easy. Not Ghost World. You did yep. what you were supposed to. Yep. And I, I I do love this movie and recommend it very very highly. Probably Absolutely. one of the higher the might might be the highest recommend of the week. Moving very quickly into television and it's all nine eleven related. And uh, yeah, on the seventeenth of of September, uh, six days after the attack, the big three networks resumed daytime programming. I believe they kept primetime programming on. A lot of the talk shows took a break, but like the whole day where you'd usually find Price is Right, Young and the Restless is just. 24-hour news coverage on the networks, which it, no judge Judy for you. Mm. It, it it was it was truly a bizarre sight. It, it was I remember it was less for the radio, but like riding around in your car and trying to find music after five days after 9/11. It was weird. Relatively quickly on the the 21st, America colon a tribute to the heroes. A tribute to heroes. The telethon runs on basically every single network. Eight thousand radio stations stations and raises. $200 million for families, uh, features Bruce Springsteen, U2, Stevie Wonder, Tom Petty, Neil Young, Alicia Keys, Billy Joel, Mariah Carey. Look at her, still going out there. John Bon Jovi, Paul uh, Paul Simon, Willie Nelson, almost a coast-to-coast 302010 champion, and Enrique Iglesias. Whew. I also remember yeah. working at a DVD store. We sold these DVDs the, so, like the day after, like really quickly. I, and, had, I had to look this up, though, because I was getting this confused with the concert for New York. Yeah. Right. Which oh, I think is coming up a little bit later, which mm-hmm. I watched and listened to a ton. So maybe this I'm one I'm less then. familiar with. Yeah, I mean this lineup is just insane. It that's completely insane. I mean those are just all uh, massive freaking acts. Also, you know, Faith Hill is also in there. Dave Matthews is also in there. It's just, it's insane. And I remember I was working in a newsroom, and this is on every network. And we had TVs on usually just to like have general news on and everyone's doing their job and all that. And people, they're talking over it and they're not listening to the talks and they're not watching. There was a silence that set in though when Will Smith came out with Muhammad Ali mm. because they're working on a movie together right now. Mm. And Will Smith does a little talk and blah, blah, blah. And there's a moment where he goes, champ. And the room went so silent to hear what Muhammad Ali had to say. I was like filled with respect, man. Just like, that's fucking right. Let's hear what Muhammad Ali has to say. And he's basically like, you know me, and I'm not a part of a religion that kills people. And mm. it took him a long time to say it because he was very unwell. <laughs> wow, is that that's a moment. That I was like, just about, I didn't want to ask because like how capable was he of speaking publicly at that point? No, it was, it was hard to get out. It was, it was hard to get out. 
Yeah, um, it was. Whew, yeah, we we get into some of these. Yeah, concert for New York. There's another one that was supposed to be John Lennon's songs against gun violence. That immediately turns into a 9-11 one, too. We've got a bunch of them coming up in the next couple of weeks. And just like looking at the lineup and oh. thinking, all these people were in one place. Yeah. Is insane. John Lennon yeah, totally would have I... been a 9-11 truther. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> also, I've been I all over the world. All... Never seen this happen to oh, steel beams. God. <laughs> I love that all of my newsroom, like all the old dudes in the newsroom, this was their introduction to Alicia Keys. They kept asking, coming by and asking, oh. who is that? She's really good. Yeah. <laughs> and how fortuitous for her to be named that. Like Joe Strummer. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. Yes. I only, my mind, man. I only laughed because I, I got a harder laugh out of Diana than I thought it would. An incredibly light yet earth shattering news I mean, around 9 11. Our own personal 9 11. <laughs> During 9-11, it was hard to explain that to my uh, all the classes I was skipping. Alex Trebek <laughs> appears on Jeopardy for the first time without his mustache, which it, 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 I grew up with a dad with a mustache for mm-hmm. 25 years of my life. When I moved away, he shaved it off, and it's I still am not used to it. Did four- you start crying when you saw him without the mustache for the first time? I, it's like I'd like, never seen... I'd never seen his top teeth, really. And it, like... <laughs> and it, 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 it's still like kind of bizarre to think about because my memories of like me being super close to my dad, which I am now more than ever now that I live near him, is him with a mustache. It's just one of those things. And I watched more Jeopardy with Trebek with a mustache than I have without. There's a whole genre of YouTube videos out there of like babies and toddlers like seeing their dads yeah. first time without like facial hair. And it's so funny. And like, honestly, if we were to do that in my house, I don't think my stepson has ever seen Sam without facial hair. So wow. it would be yeah. a real interesting situation if that were to happen. But yes, uh, I looked into it a little bit and apparently Alex Trebek just did it one afternoon, just shaved it off. And didn't tell the producers, and he was just like, I don't know, I just wanted to do it. Answer, what are you going to do about it? Because because you he he had been achieved dad status, and and the point I was trying to make there, I think Trebek spent about as much of his time without his mustache than he did with it. It just the nature of how much I watched him in those periods. It feels skewed, but it isn't. He 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 never grew it back, did he? At least not. No. No. No, and he'd been hosting Jeopardy since 84, and I believe he'd been hosting stuff before that, too, yeah. and he always had the mustache. Not only have I never seen my dad without a mustache, my mom has never seen my dad without wow. a mustache. <laughs> I mean, the family joke is that's where the treasure map is. We just got to shave it when he <laughs> dies. Yeah. Just fucking Lindbergh baby on his upper yeah. lip. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have known Sam pre-facial hair and post-facial hair, but he and I got together post-facial hair, and yeah. It would be real wild to see him without it. Reminding me that I haven't shaved in a while. Video games of 2001. We'll have more to talk about here um, because there wasn't much uh, that came out this week. It was more than this, but I thought it was more interesting as we round out (laughs) 9-11. World Destruction League colon Warjets is pulled off of shells voluntarily. Oh Oh my goodness. It was a game about destroying buildings with jets released in May. And it's nobody's fault. But again, like, uh, you know, I think this happened. We will talk about that on patreon.com slash laser time. This happened more with games because games were still kind of a hot button, kind of a target for mainstream news when it came to controversial issues. Games really had to move their shit around, whereas Hollywood delayed a couple things. But like, you can't stop glitter. It's going to come out. 
they, they didn't i mean obviously never mind but uh but gaming there's a lot to see in right now especially in open world games for you especially games where you can fly planes um i i there's some microsoft flight simulator news for real uh during this period as well we'll go into that later on patreon.com slash laser time but let's close out of this with john penny chanho uh by mohammed rafi from ghost world yep from the 1965 Indian Bollywood thriller Gunam, Gunam, um, which yeah, I mean they they used it in the marketing, which I find yeah. incredible. I mean they, it's just the opening and closing of the movie is just Enid just you know getting into obscure weird shit, including a, a Bollywood version of Agatha Christie's and then there were none that <laughs> opens with this fun nightclub dance number. With this song has been nonstop in my head. Me too. All freaking week. It is so catchy. It's so fun. I mean, it's got the cool surf rock guitar. It's got those kind of mariachi horns. Like, John Panachonho is like the perfect song. Sweet set of bongos. And yeah, like, <sighs> I, I, it, this was how they marketed it in Suncoast, the biggest movie store in the country. It was with this song. I heard a lot on repeat. But we'll close out with that. But please do stick around. 2011 is right ahead. <laughs> जान पहचान हो जीना आसान हो जान पहचान हो जीना आसान हो दिल को चुराने वालों आंख न चुराओ नाम तो बताओ जान पहचान हो the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of september 17th through 23rd oh such a bounty yay and it's all over the place i mean it's it's literally something for everyone start with 70 years ago this week 1951 on the same day we've got two very different kind of landmark movies of the 50s let's start with the sci-fi classic day the earth stood still which is pretty cool robert wise movie it's got a really cool robot and a really cool spaceship and overall an environmental message and they remade it with keanu and i still don't know why moves kind of slow for an alien invasion movie because it's really just like one guy and he's here to see what we're up to and turns out what we're up to is bad we're not great you know it's pretty much a big message about please don't nuclear annihilate yourselves and then, if that was too heady for you, let's start stripping off all our clothing because it's so sweaty out because we're in New Orleans taking a streetcar named Desire 70 years ago this week with Vivian Lee, Marlon Brando's, I mean, epic star-making turn. It's just like, why is Brando important? Even though so much of his later output is just like, who is this guy? What is he doing here? Man, if you have not seen Streetcar Named Desire, it's freaking fantastic. Like, the performances are electric. It's Tennessee Williams done right, where everything is sort of overdramatic, but it makes sense because they're externalizing their, like, emotions in a unrealistic and yet realistic way. I mean, Streetcar Named Desire, if you've not seen it, please go watch it. And then 40 years ago this week, 1981, we get two more movies. My God. Let's start with uh, Wolfgang Peterson's Das Boot aka Das Boot um, best submarine movie ever maybe yeah it's tough to call because there's a lot of versions of it because I think it was like a miniseries and then it was cut down a whole bunch and released as a shorter version and then 
there's a director's cut like 20 years ago that's more in the three-hour range, and that's the one I prefer, but I still haven't watched the whole miniseries, even though I think I have it on DVD. But, yeah, I mean, if you like Hunt for Red October or any submarine movie, Dust Boat shows you how it is done. Uh, and it's crazy because there are guys in the German Navy during World War II, and you start, you really care about them because there's nothing to do with ideology. It's just we are stuck in a metal tube that is run on diesel fuel, and we don't want to be here, but they're making us. It, it, yeah, Dust Boat is so good. And then an absolute camp classic. One of my favorite campy movies of all time. Also 40 years old this week. Mommy Dearest, the, the biography of Joe Crawford, starring Faye Dunaway in a performance that's so good it's terrible, or so terrible it's great. I think it might be her best performance. I mean, she goes for it. It is trashy. It is cruel. It is based on her daughter's book that leaves out two other kids who said they were never abused. It can be hard to watch because um, children are being kind of physically and psychologically tortured. But it's so over the top that it like turns around and it becomes like comedy. And they thought when they were making it that this was like a serious Oscar winner type movie and realized pretty quickly that that's not how it was being taken. But as camp classics go, even if you, I mean, you feel like you've seen Mommy Dearest, even if you haven't, because you've seen the No Wire Hangers thing. But please go watch the whole thing uh, with friends, possibly drunk. It's damn. Every drag queen needs to have watched this movie. Like, you better be able to recite this movie. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2011 with Someone Like You by Adelaide Adele. It's number one this week. Hooray. Welcome to September 17th to the 23rd in 2011. And ooh, ooh, this week is packed with a lot of, uh, well, decent films and debuts. Uh, but also, not without uh, some other new music releases, including Unbroken by Demi Lovato, My Head is an Animal by Monsters by Of Monsters and Men, uh, Cinderella's Eyes by Nicol- Nicola Roberts, Chicken Foot 3 by Chicken Foot. Is that a Best Buy exclusive? It might be. <laughs> Onto the Locust by Machine Head. I, did, I I knew it was becoming out of touch with music when Best Buy's like, exclusive, chicken foot. And like, is this what the kids are into, chicken foot? Found out later, it's a super group with like Sammy Hagar and a bunch of other cock rockers I could care less about. Yeah. Chicken foot. Demi Lovato also made my favorite wrestling pay-per-view theme song. So thanks for that. I do know about her. Uh, a little bit of news to bring you into the wild, wonderful world of 10, <laughs> ten years and a week after 9-11. Uh, Occupy Wall Street protests begin. Interesting. Yay. Another cultural shift in New York. Mm-hmm. This is going to be studied for the next 20 years. I mean, people are already a- analyzing the hell out of this. The idea of what what makes for a good protest mm-hmm. and where why do protests fail? And this one, generally protesting income inequality. A good, a and, good thing. Yes, and uh, the the corruption of corporations controlling our government. Good thing. But they also had no specific demands. Mm-hmm. And their reasoning was like, no, this way we can have a large coalition. And But everyone else is like, yes, but what do you want? Yeah. So, yeah, that's tough because it's like, well, when will you be happy? Because you don't have demands. 
it really led to uh, some of the stuff. I mean, I of course love the sentiment and the mass amount of organizing, but then the the lack of clear messaging on that I think really like did the movement a disservice because it really allowed it to be lampooned very mm. easily when you don't have a clear message like that. Plus the various hand signals that were yeah that. Can I see one? I can't even remember. But it, had, it was like voting yes or no was like happy. It was like jazz hands and yeah. lower jazz hands. And yeah. Yeah. It's like so many of the problems on the left, like all coalesced into one thing of just like, um, everyone has to agree. But it's like, but you can never get leftists to agree on anything ever because leftists will be mad at liberals and liberals will be mad at communists and, and anarchists are mad at everybody. And yeah. You need them all on the same page. It's like you all agree. <laughs> We've got to beat up those Nazis, man, because they, they really fall in line with one another. Yeah, exactly. But it just you need a specific thing like uh, publicly financed elections. So there's no no donations whatsoever. Like that is a thing. You can make it a law and you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. And they were just like. And figure out later how to, forgiveness. how to keep That's Roger Stone from manipulating up. it. But but yeah, yeah but yeah, it, it, but this, it, this, it this went on, on so long, the, the news gets bored of covering it. And yeah. the whole idea of drawing eyes to a situation became pointless because you couldn't do that anymore. I'm not criticizing th- these young people at all by any means. I wish I had the balls to step up to Wall Street because I know what kind of evil Wall Street means to me. But I think mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure they articulated that very well. And um, yeah. Yeah, well, student it, loan forgiveness would have been a great place to start. Yeah. We're glad that you've created a nice little lending library, guys, in your park. And I almost contacted my that, local congressman to, just to ban drum circles. Uh, that <laughs> wasn't getting anybody yeah. anywhere. I don't know, as, yeah, as a lefty, I mean, most lefties would probably call me a liberal and not be nice about it. But it's like, my thing is, can you convince your parents? Mm-hmm. That should be your goal. Can can you convince like your parents' friends to do this thing? Because other if they're just looking and be like, well, they're breaking windows and that's wrong. <laughs> You're not going to convince them. Oh, good, good yeah, I know lives are more important than a freaking window, but some people don't see it that way. They get so mad when they say, "Oh, they're rioting." It's like, yeah, learn to convince your parents' friends. Yeah, and I don't know. It's it bums <laughs> me out because oh, they were right about so many things. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't believe it's been 10 years and like <laughs> essentially none of what they wanted has occurred. And then uh, don't ask, don't tell U.S. military policy that officially ends after what, Clinton put that in 1994. Yeah, it had been in place since 1994. That was Bill Clinton's thing of like, well, that's a uh, I don't know. It's a compromise where, oh, you can be gay in the military if you don't tell anyone and no it's... one knows. Yeah, it's it. I know it was a positive. It was meant as a great compromise, but it still yeah. seems very silly. You're still it is still illegal to be gay in the military, but it is also illegal for anyone to ask you about it. Right. So, like, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and that's why it's gone, because now it's no longer illegal to be gay in the military. For now, Trump's running again. And, uh, you know, the T T's better watch out in the military because uh, that was one of the things they were trying to get rid of. So. What a wonderful organization. Yeah. Dude, let, if you want to join the military, freaking let them. Yeah. I, come on, man. Yeah. Who um, cares? Yeah. What are they gonna, oh, they're going to fall in love with the enemy and it's going to ruin everything. I, oh, shut up. I would rather be a Canadian than get drafted. So that's where I stand on it. If there's someone voluntarily who wants to start working for you, take them. Take them. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, don't ask, don't tell. You think, oh, well, it's 
better than nothing because you know you can't just immediately get drummed out of the military but it leaves people open to blackmail yeah yeah they definitely i feel like don't ask don't tell was put in place i understand that it was a compromise but there were definitely some far-reaching consequences that i think were unanticipated I mean, anything based on secrecy like that is is a problem. It's essentially like, yeah, it's 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 forcing people to stay in the closet, which leads yeah. to all kinds of weird harassment issues and exclusionary right. issues. Uh, it's not a good way. I tell you, if, if if what the military basically is nowadays is a very large American employer, not the greatest way to draw potential candidates with a measure like this. Just saying. Yeah. Um, mm. And, uh, man, that's been a heavy news segment. Uh, I'm throwing this in here even though I can't pinpoint an exact date of it, but I know it was in 2011. Norm MacDonald releases, I think, his first stand-up album, maybe second stand-up album. There's not a lot out there. Wow. Uh, you had to kind of see him live, and it is the greatest <laughs> the greatest title for a stand-up album of all time. Norm MacDonald's Me Doing Stand-Up. <laughs> 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 um, came out on Comedy Central Records this year, and I said I wanted to celebrate the guy, given that uh, we lost him pretty, what felt like suddenly for his fans. Um, and oh, I wanted to play a clip from the album because it's a, I, did, I, I didn't realize, I love this album, but it's one of the most circulated quotes of his happening right now uh, from the track called Courageous Battles. And the reason I don't like it is because in the old days they go, hey, that old man died. Now they go, hey, he he lost his battle. That's no way to end your life, you know. What a loser that guy was. Last thing he did was lose. He was waging a brave battle, but at the end, I guess he got kind of cowardly was what happened. And then the bowel cancer, it got brave. You got to give it to the bowel cancer. You know, they were in a battle. And then, what the fuck... And I'm pretty sure, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure if the cancer dies, I mean, if you die, the cancer also dies at exactly the same time. So that, to me, is not a loss. That's a draw. That's a, you know what I mean? Applause line uh, from 10 years ago. Thank you very much, Norm McDonald. Uh, I will miss you greatly. What the fuck? This is a confusing sentence to read. September 17th through the 23rd movies... In 2011, The Lion King is number one once again. Two weeks in a row, a, what is it, 16-year-old movie? It's taken the top of the box office. Up up resed into 3D. And yeah, I uh, started working on next year and saw like there's a bunch of these coming. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to, I don't want to bother with Titanic 3D or... Oh, there's a couple Beauty and the Beast 3D. There's uh, at least one more. Disney did this a couple more times. With they their, did, but it, it was never this. Stuff. This is why they did it a couple more times because how successful yeah. the Lion King was. Because they, I love they tried to do it with Star Wars, starting with everyone's favorite, the Phantom Menace, and then gave yep. up. Just stopped. There's only one. <laughs> they're all done, uh, and the public just hasn't seen them yet. Into more relevant movies to our topic, which is September 17th to the 23rd, 2011 movies. Puncture. Movie I've never heard of with Jesse L. Martin, Michael Bean, Marshall Bell, Brett Cullen, Mark Kasson, and Chris Evans, whoever that yeah. is. Yeah. Chris Evans. I know, yes. right? He's that guy with the cute dog. <laughs> That's uh, And a sweater, right? Yeah, and a sweater. I hadn't heard of this either, and so I watched a big chunk of it because it is available free just all over the place. Wow. Uh, canopy, Peacock, Crackle, like 
I, no one cared about this movie. And that makes me feel bad because like it's it's based on a true story and it's about a nurse who got an accident accidental needle stick and became HIV positive. Jesus. Oh, wow. And her quest to try to get hospitals to start using uh safety syringes that they like retract after they're used and so you can't accidentally stab someone else with them and like the true story is pretty interesting because she you know gets kind of these two shysters who are pretty young involved and they have like major drug problems so but it ends up being kind of a uh it's very aaron brockovichy extremely aaron brockovichy in that it does not feel hollywoody you know there's all the characters are very very flawed and you got a lot of handheld camera and like it's pretty good like overall like you know it's you kind of know where it's going duh but overall it was pretty good Mm -hmm. and it was nice to see chris evans especially right after captain america Mm -hmm. show like like he's if it weren't for captain america i feel like we would probably put him in the category with like brad pitt and alec baldwin of like you should probably be a character actor Mm. like he's yeah. trying he's trying to get into that lane but mm. it's like you're kind of too good looking <laughs> a lot of major job yeah i and i wonder how far before captain america this is filmed because he's not like ridiculously mm. swole he's more like a normal fit dude yeah probably same story though yeah no uh, i was kind of pleasantly surprised like it's it's not great it's it's a very it's barely a recommend but just because i'd never heard of it the like yeah puncture was not bad especially yeah if you really want to watch aaron brockovich but you've seen that too many times wow and it made at a glance 69 nice thousand dollars at the box office yeah it didn't really get a release so uh we also have machine gun preacher out this week with kathy baker madeline carroll blah 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 blah, gerard butler and that's your problem (laughs) (laughs) do you want to release your movie in a thousand theaters and have it fail cast gerard butler Mm. And I don't, get it. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. oh. is poison. I don't get it. Yeah. Sparta. Um, I'm trying to come up with my own remix. That's the only Gerard Butler line I know. Uh. <laughs> uh, so it's another based on a true story. And this is like a guy who uh, gets his life together by becoming super Christian. And then he goes to Africa and he like tries to save all the child soldiers. Oh boy. And yeah, plenty of white savior complaints focused on this one mm. um and it's like for, since they're trying to make a mainstream movie i appreciate they're leaving in the christianity because that's like so important to this guy's real story but uh yeah all the reviews were pretty much like no this is an important issue like lord's resistance army that yes they kidnap children and they make them soldiers and we deserve a real movie about that possibly told from their point of view and not the magical white guy who shows up and decides he can save everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like it when a movie is titled so well, it could be the the name of the genre it's representing. Oh. You know, Killer Elite I, is out this week. <laughs> I swore that this was based on a video game because that sounds no, like a video game title. It really does. It does. It re- it really does. It sounds it sounds like a hoity toity video game critic defining a genre right there. Oh, we've got yet another Killer Elite game from Activision. Poo-hoo! Um, but no, Killer Elite <laughs> is a movie with uh, Jason Statham, Clive Owen, Robert De Niro. Um, I'm shocked I've never seen this actually. Uh, I would love to see Jason Statham acting with Robert oh. De Niro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You'll kill me, I kill you. I'll kill you if you kill me. <laughs> You'll kill me, I'll kill, I gotta kill you. <laughs> and, and Clive Owen's chasing them. <laughs> yes. Which is fun. 
oh, I was going to watch this and every review was like, this is a bad Jason Statham movie that just somehow has De Niro and Clive Owen in it. Yeah. Weird. Oh, that makes me sad because it's got all, other people are like Yvonne Swarovski and Ben Mendelsohn and Adewale. I can't pronounce his last name, so I don't try. I got a bad J. God, I, yeah. there was a clip. I don't remember if Sarah remembers it. We laughed a thousand times, but I, I tried to record it on my phone because it was after Lost. Remember, uh, every time they killed a, a member of the Lost gang, they would appear on Jimmy Kimmel. And we we didn't know how to pronounce, Adi- I call him Adebisi because that's what, who he played on Oz. And then right. after, when when Lost was ending, I remember your ex-boyfriend had T-voted. He was like the only person I knew with T-vo. Yep. And it's like, all right, coming up next, Jimmy Kimmel Live with Adebisi. I'm like, dude, rewind that a thousand times. That announcer <laughs> just said one of the most hardest names to pronounce in history. And it, it was so silly. We were repeating it for like a week. The cadence of the guy's voice, not the foreign not the nature name. of the yeah. actress. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Akinoe Agbad. Adewale. Yeah. Akinoe Abije. Close enough. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. So is this just like a usual hit? hitman sort of assassin Ooh, yeah. movie like what's is it a mom yeah. is he a man of rules no i think they're i think they might be man of rules and hitmen where it's like they're coming back to take out the bad guys what fucked him over is there a city underworld make it look like an accident on all of them which is like i saw the mechanic and the mechanic remake jason statham what are you doing i I and again, I'm saying this is kind of a Jason Statham fan at this point. I loved the transporter and uh, yeah. liked the Hell mechanic. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just sounds like it's more of the same. Like, it, no critic had really anything nice to say about it except, well, you, it kills some time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I didn't love or even see or hear about was the, our next film: Sigourney Weaver, Maria, uh, Maria Bello, Jason Isaacs, Alfred Molina, Lily Collins, Taylor Lautner in Abduction. We have a couple questions about your son Nathan. Go down, run! Who are these people? They They're killer elite! I work for the CIA. Why am I talking to the CIA? Stay where you are. We're going to find you. Not if I find you first. Wow. You want to play with no rules? You better be careful what you let out the box. Production. Man, th- this is the part of the show where I'm like, okay. I wish we had a... So a resident young person, a Pete Davidson to pull out. Like, tell us about abduction. You were the big Taylor <laughs> Loftner fan. Ooh, uh, ooh. Tell on, tell on me. Oh, come on. You, did you see abduction? I did watch this, yes. Oh, goodness. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I'm pretty good, I think, about picking the movie that y'all are just not going to watch. Just to kind of, you know, be the voice of the generation. But, mm-hmm. yes, it uh, is dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is so bad. It is so stupid. <laughs> Let me just say, okay, I'll get out the good stuff. The cast is pretty impressive. It's honestly. a great cast. I know this is the the, the werewolf guy from the the Twilight movies. Yes, and yes. And, and just but because everybody, when I'm watching the trailer, I recognize everybody except the central character who looks like CGI, like he's not supposed to be there. And, yeah. And, and, well, and the fight scenes are also pretty impressive honestly oh. there's so much hand-to-hand combat in this movie and that those parts are all like i was i was pretty blown away by honestly they did 
he did a great job, obviously training. He's in there for a lot. It doesn't look like it's a ton of stunt per person work for him in this hand-to-hand -hand combat stuff. So Ooh. that was pretty impressive. But oh my God, the story is oh, unreal yeah. with how stupid it is. But basically, like Taylor Lawner is this normal all-American high school student, and then he has some project that he gets assigned to do for his sociology class that is about missing children. And then, so he's doing research with his partner, his research partner, who he also has a crush on. Mm -hmm. And they come across this missing children website where they like age up children, you know, pictures of children who are missing. And he finds one of his baby pictures on there, basically like listing him as a missing child. And then he's like, ugh. Where the hell are my parents, Loka? <laughs> and then he, and then some people with unidentified European accents get involved <laughs> and are like murdering his, the people who he thought was his parents. But I, they're also, they're actually like CIA agents that like have raised him as their son because he has, but uh, his real father has some secret that they, want to protect him because if the bad guys knew where he was, then his real father could get blackmailed into revealing some sort of blah, 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 blah. And then <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's there. And then <laughs> <laughs> a big fight happens on a train and uh, they're tracking him through his computer screen. Like, Oh, the best part of it though, is that when he first stumbles upon this website, there's like a little like chat with a real person if you have questions. So he starts chatting with someone and then it pings like to some guy sitting in a basement. He's like, call someone. He's like, we got him. <laughs> Whoever was looking for Taylor Lautner was like set up this whole website for years hoping that he would get assigned a school assignment for <laughs> missing children. And then they were like, our plan worked. <laughs> Wow. Unbelievably silly. But... Wait, I just looked to think they called it like we got him, and then the guy's like chatting, and the voice says something like, uh, "Hey, do you know anything about D's? <laughs> D's who? D's nuts." <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow. i didn't even watch the last 15 minutes of it wow. because it was like i don't know i get it you know oh now this this movie makes me really sad because i i actually did watch it but like nine years ago well i was just watching bad movies with my friends on sundays and it's because 20 years after his debut this is the final film of john singleton what? director of boys in the hood what? Is and this movie sucks but the directing is really good and it makes me so angry <laughs> wow yeah really strange it's like no i mean they're trying to cram they're trying to give taylor lautner more of a career and i appreciate that but he cannot act <laughs> yeah you can't carry a movie i mean that's usually it's a good way to do things like get a really strong director mm -hmm. with you know an up-and-comer and and show him what you can do and it turns out he couldn't do this yeah he's mm. very very wooden he looks like a fake human like his features are so perfect and his body is like carved out of stone that it just doesn't look real it's really interesting though when you talk about the twilight kids to see how two out of three of them like went off to make like really weird interesting choices mm -hmm. and like you know are kind of darlings now of like the alternative indie scene in a way and 
and then you got Taylor Lautner. Yeah, he made one Adam Sandler movie. That's all I, otherwise I wouldn't even know he existed. I mean, I honestly, until this point, I could not have named another movie that he was in. Again, not a slam on him. It's just, you know, this was, this wasn't my Brad Pack. I was not responsible for following up on his career. Because he was in movies that didn't appeal to me. Come on. Speaking of young people, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, unexpected hits, um, yeah. I would say, at the a very end of the summer. Morgan Freeman, Cozy Zolodorf, uh, Chris Christopherson, which I always thought like people would call me as a joke, but as a, I'm, I've seen the guy live now, so I know Chris Christopherson is real. Uh, yeah. And Nathan, Nathan Campbell, Ashley Judd, and Harry Cockdick Jr. Uh, we got a dolphin tail. From the studio and producers of The Blind Side. How is she going to live if she can't swim? On September 23rd, an unlikely hero. Dr. McCarthy, can I ask you a weird question? An unbreakable bond. You can't give up on her. An unbelievable true story. Is it done? (sighs) Come on, fish. Swim! Dolphin Tale, rated PG, starts September 23rd in... 2D and 3D. But, uh, I love how angry Morgan Freeman sounds at that dolphin. Like, God damn it! Get away from that porpoise. I I know I saw this, but mm-hmm. I it was it was of such a made for kids hallmark nature. Like I I just tuned the fuck out. I'm not a good person to weigh in on this movie because this is something I would never ever watch. And if you aren't familiar with my familial background. My dad, this is shot in Pinellas County, Florida, the Tampa area, mostly, based on a story from the Clearwater area. And my dad's kind of the the uh, guy you go up against when you want to make movies in Florida with local animals. He, You will end up butting heads with my father, and therefore he would hate these movies um, because it usually <laughs> results in a lot of dead or harmed animals. I, I've always been, if you've not seen blackfish or the story of flipper in this area oh, you kind of yeah. just my my stance is like an animal movie shot in florida get the fuck out of here no Perfect. yeah I, I will pay i will pay to stop this production <laughs> so again not the right person to, to yeah so yeah like you said it's based on a true story is about a, a dolphin that lost most of its tail and then get like, it they get all together and they build it a prosthetic tail and now it can swim and that's great yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's fine. I, I kind of started it, jumped to the middle, and then checked out. Where it's like, I mostly trust in reviews on this, where the reviews are like, yeah, it's it's what it says on the box. It's heartwarming. It you know teaches kids about animals. It's Biscuit. got a nice message. All the performances are fine. Yeah, like does it do anything massively objectionable? No, that's eh, fine. Yeah, you know, kids will like it. Is Harry Connick Jr. a marine biologist in this movie? I don't remember. I would. <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. Okay. Let's just say yes. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a doctor, and does he have his shirt on? He's a widowed <gasps> father, the hallmarkiest kind. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that accent talking about kelp. You've seen my krill. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's move on to the next film. Before you run out of time, because that's the one. Uh, let's get to the good one. God, there are so oh, many was... movies that are all just like, eh. Like, they're all at like 40% Rotten Tomatoes. And now we get to talk about one of the best movies of the year. I was looking forward to pointing this out to you. This movie has the funniest cameo as a conniving executive is Activision Blizzard's real CEO, Bobby Kotick. And so if you... I'm, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, 
that guy really feels like he's a real CEO. He does not feel like an actor. He's Who not. He, is he? Oh my god! He's not an actor. It's it's a real a real asshole CEO. And what's so funny about it? And if you do, my background professionally was games before it was podcasts. Every time his company is written about shittily, they use this picture. Uh, Executive, <laughs> they use the picture from Moneyball. <laughs> uh, from, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's the I first. He, I had to look him up to see which one. He's the first non-Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt character you see in Moneyball who talks. Yeah. As the owner of the Oakland Ace, you shot. It's so what? silly. Um, I don't. I don't Did know who. A radio contest. Like, I have why no. Is he... He seems like, I don't know that he's that likable a person, so I don't know what friend he had in this movie department, which maybe it was Robin Wright, or Casey Bond, or Chris Pratt, or who I just totally like. Definitely Chris Pratt. It seems like a Chris Pratt fan, doesn't it? From church, from his exclusionary church. Besides Bobby Kotick, there's also Spike Jones for one scene that's like inexplicable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. weird, weird things going Spike on. Spike Jones is ever since it's his Three Kings is his medius role. He kind of just does that in other directors, other directors' movies. Who else makes movies? But but he's the king of the one scene. Okay, so sorry. Get, getting back to Kotick. Apparently, he's friends with the director, and the director was like, "Hey, why don't you be in this film, Moneyball?" And then he said that he would do it only if they made a huge donation to charity, basically. I was going to say, like, uh, hey, billionaire CEO, how would you like your big break in Hollywood? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Where does, uh, when does life start to balance out a little bit? Holy shit. But I don't know. We don't mean, but also, PSH, Phil Cy Hoffman, um, <laughs> one of his later roles, uh, uh, Jonah Hill and Oscar gets nominated for this, right? And, he does. Uh, it's kind of like his quote unquote dramatic turn. And of course, we have Brad Pitt in the movie called Moneyball. Moneyball. There are rich teams, and then there's us. We got to think differently. Here is 25 players that have been overlooked by every other team. You don't put a team together with a computer. Adapt and die. They call it Moneyball. It's not working out. Everybody listen up. You may not look like a winning team, but you are one. If we win with this team... Change the game for good. Oh, yeah. So, oh, so good. The story behind this movie is fucking should be its own movie. Huh. It was supposed to go forward with Steven Soderbergh directing and got almost to film, like within a week of starting filming with Brad Pitt and Dimitri Martin in the leads. Dimitri oh. Martin? Holy yeah. And then this. But he also wanted to do something more experimental where like more of the real people would be in it because this is about the 2002 Oakland A's Mm -hmm. and he wanted more of the real people in it. And they ended up saying no. And then Brad Pitt basically took it over. He's like, fuck you. I'm making this movie. I'm in charge now. And got Bennett Miller involved, who had done Capote and then also went on to do Foxcatcher. But then there was a problem because uh, the the usual director of photography Bennett Miller worked with uh, is a convicted pedophile. (laughs) A real powder situation. Yeah, so they had to swap out, and they brought in Wally Pfister, who's a great cinematographer anyway. I would do two background checks on anybody named Wally Pfister. I I know. (laughs) But plus, like, a couple people took cracks at the screenplay because it's based on a nonfiction book, and it ends up being credited to Aaron Sorkin and Steven Zalian, literally two of the best we got. Yeah, and I I, got to give them credit because, like Big Short, I walk Mm. out of the movie thinking, I get 
I get what I get this. Thanks for making yeah. this understandable. And then yeah. I walk away from it a little bit and like, I still don't get this yes, I, yes. at all. Like I don't get how this works even slightly uh, and not, not the economics of it. I understand that part, but like the general idea of Moneyball is that we're not a rich team. So we have to be a little more clever with our money. And we get this math guy in here who notices uh, who can plug certain players that no one is really uh, not utilizing, but not valuing as much as they should. We just get a bunch of those guys and I'm like, yeah, it's like almost like a mathematician trying to make a Hollywood sports movie. We get this cheap shortstop. I still don't understand it. If you're a good base, the highest paid pitcher is the highest paid pitcher because he, the math says his pitches are the best. Like, how does this make any sense? Where's that ball good? This guy yeah. is the highest paid hitter because he hits the balls the bestest. The math bears out. Like, I don't yeah. understand what math they're talking about in between that well, makes these teams work. I think part of the point, though, and they do get into this a little bit in the movie, is that it isn't, though, just about, like, who's hits the ball the best or who catches the best. It's about, like, charisma and probably your agent and, like, all this other stuff that goes into, like, what makes a ball player attractive to a team. There's a lot of talk about, like, personality and, like, how this guy's a star and this guy's not a star and, like, yada, yada. I see. I mean, I do think that goes into it and – Kind of the idea, I think, behind it, this is coming from the non-math part of it, is that we shouldn't be overlooking these people who who will get the job done but aren't as charismatic or attractive or, you know, that whole conversation that those old guys have about someone having an ugly girlfriend so they don't want <laughs> to draft him, like... Right. That means he's got no confidence. Must yeah. Be. Yeah. <laughs> wild. Yeah. It might, just, might explain why my girlfriend is having so much trouble finding work. So, I mean, I, I liked this movie 10 years ago when it came out and I was like, okay, we'll give it a try. Oh, wow. That was, you know, they kept it entertaining. And then rewatching it, I'm kind of flabbergasted by it because they took the single thing I loathe about baseball. Math. The statistics. Oh my God. <laughs> Baseball nerds are the worst. Yep. And they found a way to make it entertaining, mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy. And also this time around, I realized that it does the exact opposite of what all sports movies do, where every other sports movie, the message is like, don't listen to the experts deep inside. You've got with heart. You, get, you win games with heart and teamwork. We're a team and a family and we're going to go out there and, you know, just based on our guts, we're going to do it. And this movie says, fuck guts. Guts, guts lie to you. No, mm, I, I, no. I think, I think raw math, raw technology. <laughs> I think that's that's the weirdness of like swallowing the movie now where everybody who has a job knows that some of it is directly data driven. Whereas like this is a world of baseball that is anti-data seemingly. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I guess businesses used to work like that. Not one I've ever worked in because. Well, yeah. I mean, I do think though that it does a really good job of illustrating that it's both. Mm -hmm. It's the math and the heart because I mean, if it was just about the math, you could just get like a team for, full of like automatons that just are like throw, hit, run, throw, hit, run. But it wasn't <laughs> how until baseball. they really <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically how is baseball exterminate. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until that they really the team started really acting as a team together. Everyone stopped pounding about their situation and actually started to, you know, really put their heart into it. And David Justice, you know, right. came out as the leader. That's when everything really started to gel. So it is like it's both. It's math and it's heart. That's it's that's what I and that's what ultimately why I think it's a I like the movie and think it's a great sports movie because yeah. they utilize 
players who are older or injured or who are all told you're through in this business kid. And then David Justice was like my favorite local baseball player growing up because I live close to the Atlanta Braves and he is considered washed up and gets one more shot at I had no idea he did this by the way. <laughs> no, I had no idea he ever played for the A's. No other be he'd be played that he would be played in a movie like this. Like David Justice will have a movie about him someday and like I just can't believe this is how we got it. <laughs> he'll bear, he'll show up for even less time than Philip Seymour Hoffman in Moneyball. And Philip Seymour Hoffman was like, was yeah. he doing someone else a favor? No, it's it's an interesting portrayal because, I mean, obviously this is something that it's about 2002. So it all happened pretty recently. So there's everyone's around to say, you know, what is inaccurate and what's fudged and whatever. And yeah, his his portrayal of, of Art Howe is like, it's not especially accurate. And Art Howe wasn't crazy about it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I understand this guy right away. Like, yeah, the, the way... <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman just sort of lumbers by asking a question, just like he's so not on board with any of this, not a fan. I know, I just it's... out of the loop, frustrated, like why you can't put a team together with computers. I don't know what you're doing. And then like you'll play a guy the way Brad Pitt doesn't want him played. And then he's like, You didn't tell me. God, oh, I hate you. I I I think his character kind of like sticks out like a sore thumb in the movie. And it may just because be because of how stupid he looks in a baseball outfit. I but, mean, I think that's part of it. Yeah. It's 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 but it's just like wasn't this guy sure wasn't his yeah. wasn't this one of our greatest actors? Everyone knew who he was at this point. Why is he in this movie for five seconds playing the most cliched character in it? His appearance still baffles. I'm always forget he's in it. Um but this movie's super solid. Well, and it also shows too like the the way that it goes opposite, like, because Billy Bean mm. is Brad Pitt's character, you know, it, I like that it goes a little bit into his history about how he was like this all-star. He had every tool in the toolbox that you could have. He was great at everything and he choked. And it mm. was just like when he got up there and it was to actually play. And so that just kind of shows that like, again, like without the certain ineffable quality that turns you know stars into stars I, teams, I, teams, I like, love those because there, there's just a little conversation about that and I had to rethink about it exactly like that Sarah because I love wrestling stories in the wrestling industry and every time you see like a wrestler like you know kick a concession guy in the throat or a security guard like those are all wrestlers and they all work behind the scenes and they all sit at a when they're not being capable of kicked in the throat anonymously on, <laughs> on camera they are uh, at a board meeting in the at beneath the stadium, uh, just like that scene, and I, I forget about that. These are people who may have fell short of their dream, but get to work adjacent to their dream too, and yeah. do deeply care about this sport. Yeah, and and yeah. And, and they are almost exclusively old and white. And no. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I like the flashbacks make a nice point without it being completely a one to one thing. That it's like this is the old way of scouting and it failed mm -hmm. that, yeah. you know, they scouted Brad Pitt. They thought he had everything and yeah. And Billy Bean just like, couldn't quite pull it together. And then he talks to Jonah Hill later and he's like, yeah, I would have drafted you in the ninth round, not the first wow. just cause yeah, you could do five things, but you could do them. Okay. Mm -hmm. As opposed to having like one thing you could do real yeah. well. Mm -hmm. I'm like, huh? Yeah. I just, I find baseball to statistics just the most boring thing in the universe how did they keep me entertained for two hours how i don't know but uh baseball it's only amazing. works for me in person very drunk and i'm really i get real close to enjoying it 
but yeah, not, I, still not quite there. Uh, yeah, in person, baseball is fun because you're sitting outside enjoying your day, and oh, a ball game happens to be happening. Yeah, and a guy in an umpire's uniform is giving you signals to stop vaping. Ugh, <laughs> it happens to everybody, right? <laughs> and stadium food. Oh man, I, I love them weens. We got to keep moving on. We got a lot to talk yeah, about. Yeah, um, uh, lock of the week, though. I feel like yeah, money, Moneyball. Yeah, the it's it's a baseball movie for people who don't like baseball and a math movie for people who don't understand math. I think it's it's a sports <laughs> it's a sports movies that validate nerds. Like that's yeah, it, yeah the people it, it's a sports movie that the sports movie where the heroes are the people who aren't the best at sports. It's yeah. it's it's kind of neat that way. And uh moving on to television of 2011, uh the 17th to the 23rd of September. I want to say this is like hot off her appearances at the Comedy Central roast. Which mm-hmm. is how I got to know what is it, Whitney Cummings, mm-hmm. model turned uh, to comedian, but like is the creator of two new network shows that debut like days from one another. Right. One of which people don't remember. Sadly, that's hers, Whitney, starring her and Chris D'Elia. Mm-hmm. And then the other show she created, Two Broke Girls. I remember she she had a she wrote something or was had an interview that was like a sad success story. The idea of like. My show got canceled, so I had to go right on my other show. But she had to like get busted down and then take a lesser job at the other show she created once Whitney was canceled. But two broke girls, what went what like seven, eight, nine seasons? Never seen a frame of it. Yeah, six. It's fun. Six it's Kat Dennings, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kat Dennings, uh, Beth, Beth Bears, and Garrett Moore's popped up. Yeah. I really love Kat Dennings so much. And yeah, yeah. I actually haven't seen any of uh, Two Broke Girls either. I didn't like what I've heard about it. I don't think that it's for me. And you know I will watch damn near anything. But um, <laughs> I mean, but I, yeah. I, I wouldn't watch this show if it was made of water and my eyeballs were on fire. I'd just rather go about it. Oh, don't be that mean. It's, it's, it's a CBS sitcom. They're all, they're not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Giant waste of time. But I can say I would check out Dollface, her new show that's on Hulu. It's really fun and really weird. And also, she just got married to Andrew WK. Like, uh, Kat Dennings what? is so cool. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. He's Man, really look, up his, um, look up his latest music video. I've watched that like three times. Holy shit. Babylon is really great. I, I'm not. I'm, a, I'm an Andrew WK fan now. Oh, I have been for such a long time. I love him so much. Yeah, I also am not the biggest fan of Whitney Cummings. Like, mm. I... You don't like Rose. No, it's not that. I'm fine with Rose. I don't find her. I find her to be a little hacky. Like a lot of her premises I've definitely heard before mm. and done better, honestly. But, you know, good honor. I think she did. I've only seen her on the roast, which I, I like those appearances a lot. And on the 20th, can anybody guess what this show is? Hey, girl, what you doing? Is this really the intro? Hey, girl. Uh, <laughs> I, I I was like play this and like and I geared up to see visuals of the Mindy Project. I just that, I mistook the show for the Mindy Project. That's so funny. Um, that. Yeah, the new girl starts, which is one of my favorite sitcoms. Honestly, like really? I really love the new girl. I actually just started rewatching it again just because I finished The Office kind of recently, so I've got a fall asleep to something these days so that I don't just keep replaying all the trauma in my life. Um, (laughs) So the new girl it is. It went on for seven seasons. It is definitely one of those television shows. We need a name for it where the, it's a television program, usually a sitcom where the main character or the title character is the worst character. Oh, And Mm. all of their friends are the, are like way more 
interesting and way funnier than the main person who's actually kind of annoying. That's a how I met your mother situation. It's this. I know that there are other examples out there. I thought I maybe happy, Race Anatomy. happy ending. Race Anatomy, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sex in the City. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. The main character is like is a monster. Oh, but everyone around them is get great. this. Get this. Seinfeld. Yeah. Seinfeld. I know. I yeah. I don't know about that one. It's it's not that not that I don't like the Jerry Jerry Seinfeld in quotations. He's just the worst. Both morally and the worst actor in the show. Yeah, Everybody he's, else he's is the better. least interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the least interesting of the four. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, the new girl is so good. It does take a little bit to get going. The first pilot or the first season, man, I just it introduced me to like three of my actually four of my like favorite comedy actors now, which are the roommates that she moves in with, Jake Johnson, who I just love, 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 mm-hmm. love, 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 love him so much. Mm-hmm. Like just fantastic character, written so well, always has the funniest lines in my opinion. He is amazing. And then Max Greenfield field Lamorne Morris, who is just like an absolute treasure, and he is so funny, and they could not figure out what to do with him for several seasons. And then towards the back end of the whole series, they really give him his own personality, part of which includes always wearing button-down shirts that have prints of birds on it. (laughs) And having a cat, like being obsessed with he's just like once they gave him a personality, it just made him so much better. And then Damon Wayans Jr., who started out on the show and then left to be in happy endings and then ended up coming back after happy endings uh finished. So yeah, I just really love this show. It's 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 hilarious. It's quirky. Yes, it is quirky. But he also addresses the quirkiness. It's not, it doesn't exist in this weird universe where everyone's like, yes, Zoe Deschanel, that's a very normal way to talk and act and dress. Like, (laughs) (laughs) the way that you would to someone who is that annoying. So I I appreciate it for that. Okay. Uh, Also, the X Factor debuts, that's a reality show. What's, what was special about this? What the fuck was this? The Simon Cowell thing? Yeah, Simon Cowell left American Idol and created another one, first, I believe, in the UK and then coming back to the US, ran for three seasons and had like lots of good, you know, guest judges. Paul Abdul shows up, but Britney Spears, Demi Lovato, Kelly Rowland, you know, they all took turns judging for a while. And mm-hmm. I think they, they did groups as well as individuals. Okay. That's it. I mean, all these shows are very tiny changes on a theme, but <laughs> yeah, a talent show. <laughs> Yeah, it's a talent show, but we've also talked about like the voice debuting and the voice ends up being massive. And I'm not sure why X Factor only went three years, but eh, whatever. It went so maybe, much longer than that. Maybe we've had enough t- uh, talent show TV. I'm just kidding. The world never gets tired of that. I love, I love like if you just let your Facebook video feed play on your phone, you'd be like, there are so many different versions of America's Got Talent and they all have different names. Seriously, yeah. look up look up what those names are. They're, they get really <laughs> silly. It was weird because I was on a podcast where I tried to explain the gong show and it was so hard, except I kept saying, well, it's like Americans, America's Got Talent, but it's also supposed to be stupid. Yeah, and there's intentionally bad. It's also, if a, thir- not- a third of every episode was William Hung and, yeah, uh, and then like- he kept coming back, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, Community season three premieres, and that's big news in and of itself. It's the show that's kind of struggling in NBC's Thursday night block. But if at this point, I remember Tyler, uh, been on a bunch of shows, me and my roommate, we were all in love with, with this show. 
it seemed like a, a show that catered to nerds and kind of cast that way too. It knew what you could tell. You could tell like it's writer was on Twitter, like seeing what fans would respond to season. So season three debuts with uh, biology one hundred and one and guest stars, John Goodman and the recently departed Michael K. Williams. It was just, uh. it's such, it's such, I love him being cast in this part. Cause it's something I don't think you have to be a fan of a, of the wire to automatically think, yeah, Michael K. Williams should play this teacher. Right. <laughs> and like, yeah. uh, and uh, just so he can de- deliver one of my favorite lines from community that nobody appreciates. I think, cause it's like all so much of it's in the delivery mm-hmm. when he's like, we had a name for people like you in prison. We call them the mean people's club. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I miss him so much already. God damn. And John Goodman is, he's only on well, a couple episodes and he. Yeah, but thro- throughout the entire run though. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a, <laughs> a great little bit of community lore. It turns out to the, this shitty little community college may be solely financed by its air conditioning school, which has all the perks. <laughs> Uh, which is like the cool kids club with all the money and uh, they're trying to an occult and they're trying to lure (laughs) Troy uh, Donald Glover over to the air conditioning school because he's kind of their messiah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) he'll just throw that into conversations oh yeah I was at the guys the HVAC school kind of their messiah (laughs) janitorial staff that includes Kumail Nanjiani and Nathan Fillion this show rules watch it it's on Netflix and then on uh, if we have anybody over 50 I'm sorry all my children has its last episode airs the finale oh, all my children yeah watching the soaps just drop one at a time so it debuted in 1970 it oh, had okay. 40 seasons plus one online it came back in 2013 for one online but old people couldn't figure out how to work that so 10,712 episodes wow and, and again if you've never heard me say that i usually try and google these finales i think all debuts and finales are pretty important but like Soap operas have no online fan base at all. I bet they do in like Facebook groups that are kind of SEO proof. But like, yeah, there's no websites or fan sites based around these things. It just yeah. it's too much information, and that has to overlap with the age of the viewers. Um, yeah, and- their target audience is not doing a lot of they. They still make several soap opera magazines based yeah. magazines mm-hmm. that you can get at the checkout counter where it describes two plots that happened in the soap opera. Do they really? So, yes. Those still ex- soap opera diners, all those still exist. So, I mean, that's the type of technology we're working with. I think. Yeah. Cause I, I've tried before and like at, at best, somebody may have found a way to put full episodes up on YouTube, but there are no clips. There are no online synopses. The audience isn't there for it. And that happens sometimes. Yeah. And we got to move into games for a second. Uh, Arctic Thunder and SpongeBob SquarePants Super Sponge are out this week on Ooh. the leading platforms, he'll say. And uh, we also got to tell you who lived and died during this period. Um, so it's, but so stay right there. But first, got to thank our listeners. Thank you guys so much for listening. Maybe consider supporting us at the $5 level at patreon.com slash lasertime. Supports the whole network and the show. And there are two bonus shows a month from this show, the Classic Corner Show and 302010 Games. Hopefully we can get back to doing our bonus times with you, but there's still over 100 movie commentaries to enjoy, a lot of exclusive stuff. New episodes of Sick of Star Wars coming as soon as uh, the state can beat back its out-of-control COVID problems. <laughs> yeah, patreon.com slash laser time. Video Game Apocalypse this week is brand new, and we are talking about time loop games. I'll tell you what game I just played that is this beautiful mix 
uh, like a heartfelt mix between Bill and Ted and Rick and Morty that I enjoyed. Um, so Ooh. yeah, tune in for that. And uh, Di, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And coming up next week, we've got a, almost a stoner comedy about cancer with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh! Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got... We got some good stuff. We've got an incredible Robin Williams role, both serious and not serious. We have finally a movie with Scott Bakula and Sinbad together. Fuck, why did that take so long? I know. (laughs) And we have the movie that blows the lid off the fact that every assassin is actually a male model. (laughs) (laughs) Who died during the period of 302010, Diana? September 10th. 17th to the 23rd, in three decades. We lost two musical geniuses who sadly never collaborated. In 1991, we lost Rob Tyner of the MC5, who's only 46, died of a heart attack. He oh. kicked out the jams, motherfuckers, <laughs> for the last time. Great song. Amazing song. MC5 was, I mean, before punk was actually punk. Yeah, before the, they had a word. Yeah, and 2001, we lost classical violin legend Isaac Stern, who was 81. Wow. Mm. Why that. didn't they ever work together? Why? Unbelievable. With those out of the way, we got to check in with birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Birthday quiz. All right, turning fifty years old. He was born September 21st, 1971 in Dallas, Texas. Dad was an ad and TV exec. Mom was a photographer. He didn't get into acting until well into college. No, fair enough. Worried because we have another Texan and last week you guys got Tommy Lee Jones before I even got to any movies and I didn't appreciate it. That was, that's, that was Sarah's fault, even though I won. We have a lot of movies of his. Let's start with Best Men, Middle Men, My Dog Skip, Soul Survivors. I got it. Sarah, do you want to take a stab? I... Miss Quaid. No. No. I know who it is, for sure. For sure. For sure. I'll tell you this. One of my favorite movies with him has two of his brothers in it. Am I correct? Correct. There is a third brother. So I'll let let Sarah and the audience keep going. That's very nice. Thanks so much for being to me, you prick. Okay, but keep going, because I do like to guess things. Okay. (laughs) Henry Poole is here. Blaze of Glory, 310 to Yuma. William Fickner. No. Name I his two brothers. <laughs> no, what? No. Oh, no. What if his brothers is in the movie I was just talking about, about the male models? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I... oh, oh, Wilson. It is <laughs> Luke or Owen. It's Luke. It's Luke. Yeah. Yeah. There is a secret third Wilson brother that he played. He played Future Man in Bottle Rocket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> he pops up in pretty much just his brother's movie. <laughs> yes. Almost exclusively. I, I think it was William Fickner, though. He's a blades of glory. Uh, Okay, we also talked about my super ex-girlfriend, Jackass number two, Vacancies one and two, Death at a Funeral, the U.S. version, Scream two, where he's in the film Stab, Home Fries, Blue Streak, Charlie's Angels, Rushmore, Legally Blonde, Bottle Rocket, and Idiocracy. Idiocracy. It was one of the first (laughs) movies we covered. Great show. Go watch Moneyball and/or Ghost World. Uh, yeah. and or community as we always say there's our recommendations and uh, why don't we close down with uh, Johnson and Johnson's No More Tears or Mama I'm Coming Home by Ozzy Osbourne yeah Mama I'm Coming Home turned out to be the bigger hit yeah that again I'm a little kid I heard really this song good. all the time we kind of made fun of it having no idea who Ozzy Osbourne was it was just like me discovering music not quite liking it yet but every time we ha- we'd be playing in like a lot and like sorry guys I gotta go home he's going home <laughs> this happened this happened all the time in 1991 <laughs>
Whichever one you guys won. Uh, I like I like both of them. Uh, my boss did have a good headline for when California, we had this like ranking system for like how locked down each county was. And when we got rid of it, he had called it no more tears. That was pretty it. Good. By the way, good job, California. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> You're the only ones holding it almost together, sort of, kind of. Yeah, except that this can happen every election cycle where you can somehow el- keep on electing people with very few votes. Yeah. So... Yeah, don't pat yourself on the back too much. This law is still on the books. All right, but let's close that with No More Tears by Ozzy Osbourne. Tell everybody about the show, patreon.com slash lasertime. R.I.P. Norm MacDonald. We will see you next week. <laughs>